Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing it. Really, quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call a Ghostbuster. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that wants to know if it's fair game to put its 15-foot-tall inflatable Stay Puff Marshmallow Man back on the front lawn and call him Christmas decor, provided I give him a Santa hat to wear or some elves to stand next to. That should work, right? I'm your host, Jim Maritato, aka Vink Maniac on the internet, and this week I'm excited to be talking with you about Ghostbusters toy drives and charitable franchise efforts. Ryan Espin, president of the New York City Ghostbusters, joins us for a fun conversation about the Toy Drive initiative taking place this month, and that the New York City Ghostbusters will be kicking off with a live telethon event this week on Wednesday night over at GhostbustersToyDrive.com. Ryan and I also had an opportunity to get to know each other a bit and to catch up on the important work that NYC does supporting local charities, their recent certification as a 501c3 charity organization, which is an amazing thing to have achieved so that they can do better fundraising work and help their clientele and the folks out there in their community, Uh, their participation at New York Comic Con and at the uh, Firehouse in New York City uh, at different Ghostbusters Day events and so much more. It was really great to get to know Ryan a bit after hearing his name bandied about with respect to charitable ghostbusting work in and around the New York City area. And if you know me, you know I love a good conversation with folks from the Empire State because they feel a little bit like being back at home for me. So I was thrilled to be able to talk with Ryan this week and to be able to share this conversation with you uh, as we talk a bit about the toy drives and charitable works that are taking place this holiday season. But before we can do that, we've got a bit of news to unpack in Ghostbusters headlines. Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. All in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Extra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. In Ghostbusters Frozen Empire news, there's not much to report in terms of where we're at with production other than the news items we talked about last week. Uh, with relationship to continued shooting on the film that seems to be happening given explanations of McKenna Grace's availability for the next month that have been provided by a convention in the United Kingdom. However, what is very clear is that there seem to be Ghostbusters Frozen Empire posters like freaking everywhere as a number of different Ghostbusters franchises, as well as Eric over at the Moogly Fan Club have all reported on receiving shipments of posters to distribute via fan events and conventions and things as we track toward the movie. So, Keep your eyes open if you're looking for a poster for opportunities to pick one up in an event near you or maybe even via some online giveaways and charity events this holiday season as those posters are starting to circulate. And if nothing else, that should be an indicator to us that we're like well now in the uh, you know throes of marketing. We had our trailer, which we were all waiting for. We know what our title is. And now Ghost Core is shipping out posters in mass to uh, different folks and franchises to get out to the public and help spread word about the film. So um, if you've been lucky enough to get some of these posters, awesome. Congratulations. Um, I would hope to see that these are going to get distributed and get out there in the community. And, you know, I know that, for instance, you can probably pick these up if you're coming out to Los Angeles Comic Con uh, from either the folks over at the L.A. Ghostbusters or the folks from uh, Ecto Exo, because I believe they'll both be present. And I think they both have some posters uh, to get out there. So uh, if you've got posters out there and you want to let folks know, of course, you can spread the word here at Extraplasm and we'll try and let people know uh, that you've got them out there for an online giveaway, etc. 
In Ghostbusters video game news, Rise of the Ghost Lord, the new game from End Dreams for MetaQuest and PlayStation VR platforms, received a fun marketing push this past week as a result of a Stay Puft-themed takeover of the Sphere Arena in Las Vegas. If you've not seen this already, the Sphere Arena is part of the Venetian Resort in Las Vegas and is a massive state-of-the-art arena that looks like a giant pop bubble sticking out of the ground, and on the exterior of it is a 54,000 square meter wraparound LED screen, the largest on planet Earth, and that can even be seen from freaking space. One of the features of this uh, particular installation is that it presents activations and ads for different companies in rotation, and last week Mr. Stay Puft joined that rotation. A fun ad promoting the rise of the Ghost Lord depicts Stay Puft's head emerging from the ground and filling the entire space of the sphere while pushing his face against the glass from the inside out and seemingly trying to grow in size before bursting into a pile of smaller mini puffs. Now look, I don't usually get super excited about, you know, a billboard, wow, but this is some pretty damn cool technology, and if I were in Vegas and saw this, I'd be totally stoked, and if I were in the International Space Station and saw Stay Puft coming out of the ground, I would be concerned. Um, but if you, have, if you haven't seen video of this, head over to Ghostbusters News where Jason Fitzsimmons has some good video of this spectral spectacle, uh, because it's definitely something fun to take a look at. It only takes a couple moments, and it'll bring a smile to your face. And it's kind of cool to see this, you know, awesome technology being used for something as goofy as Stay Puft coming out of the ground to promote a video game. It makes me wonder, like, what kinds of awesome things can they do with this technology inside the arena when they're having rock concerts and other stuff? Uh, it makes me want to go see a show inside the sphere. If I didn't already want to go, I definitely want to go now that they know they can manifest Stay Puft on demand. So uh, maybe we'll get to see that sometime in the near future. In Ghostbusters merchandise news, let's talk about toys for a few moments. Arguably the biggest news of the week is that the HasLab campaign for the Hasbro 2-in-a-Box PKE and Ghost Trap combo pack reached its second tier milestone this week, and at the time of this recording is approaching 16,000 backers. Upon reaching 15,000 backers, the second tier of stretch goals was unlocked, meaning the backers of the project are now receiving a belt hanger for the Ghost Trap to be hung off of uh, when used in cosplay and costuming as well as a HasLab-themed Ghostbusters logo patch that looks like the Ghostbusters logo, but with a uh, caution-stripe-colored no symbol that has a HasLab logo across it. This, this series of add-ons uh, to the Trap and the PKE combo join the previously unlocked set of Zenner cards, uh, the Trap and PKE blueprints, the stickers and bumper stickers that were in the first tier unlock, and the movie replica Ghostbusters logo patch uh, that were in that first unlock. So. Uh, we've got 13 days remaining before the campaign closes up and still about 2,000 backers away from the final tier of stretch goals, which would provide backers with a PKE meter belt holster and a mini puff Ghostbusters logo patch that replicates, uh, replicates the 1984 logo as seen on everybody's arms in the movie. Uh, if you recall uh, from our conversation with Eric Christensen a while back uh, and uh, along with other folks, uh, we've talked about the idea that the logos for the individual flight suits were all slightly different and handmade, and so those patches look different than an idealized logo you see today, uh, you know, that you can get on most patches that are out there. So this is one of those replica patches that'll look like something from the original movie. If you haven't backed this set of props yet, I can't stress enough uh, that you should take advantage of the opportunity now, because you've got less than two weeks to lock your order in, and if you get your order in and we get to you know, the, the 18,000 mark in terms of how many people back this thing, everybody will get a uh, PKE holster and they'll also get a little mini puffed Ghostbusters logo patch that replicates the logo scene in the final frames uh, after the credits for the theatrical release and I believe also the Blu-ray release for Ghostbusters Afterlife. 
And so, you know, if you want to get on this, I got to say, like, don't miss out on this, because after two weeks from now, you're going to be looking at a situation where the only way you have to get these things is going to be to go chase them on eBay with a markup. Uh, so if you are even on the fence about this, $300 for these two props is a really decent deal. Uh, if you consider how much these props cost individually, when you look at the Mattel options that are out there uh, or how the inflation sort of happened with those props once they were no longer available, you're probably going to be frustrated if you don't pick these up. Uh, so remember, uh, you've got essentially 13 days to take care of this if you haven't already. If you've backed them already, maybe you should buy a second one so we can all get, uh, you know, that awesome unlock. I'm just kidding. You don't need to go buy a second one, um, but don't think I haven't thought about it. I bought two proton packs. I said I wouldn't buy two sets of these. And then I'm like, yeah, but you'll probably carry this around and drop them or something. And won't you be bummed out afterwards? And then I start thinking crazy and I'm like, I need two. Um, somebody stop me quick before I make a second purchase. The other big piece of Hasbro related news is not uniquely about Ghostbusters, but it's certainly related to Ghostbusters action figure and toy collecting. Hasbro has announced the end of their selfie series service, whereby customers could scan their faces using the Hasbro Pulse app and then have a figure produced in their likeness. Ghostbusters Plasma series figures were among the first figures offered as an option for this service. And to be realistic about this, the results were kind of mixed. Uh, there were some folks who received figures that they felt looked like them, and there were also many people who were frustrated to find that the lack of glasses and adequate options for sculpted hair and facial hair left a lot to be desired in terms of achieving a realistic likeness. Uh, and so in response, Hasbro initially announced a new version of the service at San Diego Comic-Con this year, touting many of those previously missing customizations as things they were now going to provide after hearing feedback from customers. But now, however, it seems that Hasbro has decided this is no longer an option they're going to be providing, uh, that they are not going to be fulfilling additional orders like this. And they even suggest that if you have an order uh, for selfie series existing, and you need assistance, you should contact them. What that means is not really clear. If that means those orders are going to be fulfilled, or if it means they're not, and you need to contact them to figure out how to get a re refund. Uh, it's not really clear at this point. I, I have to say that I'm not entirely surprised by this, given the price point of these figures, that about $60 each for a six-inch action figure uh, that doesn't really have any customization beyond an ambiguous likeness on its face and arguably its head shape. Um, you know, these were all figures that came on the same standardized male or female body with a rookie name tag. There was no attempt to even like care about skin color on hands or, uh, you know, necks and things because the body parts that would have been showing skin tones were all covered. There were non-removable gloves on the hands and even the neck had an inexplicable black painting to it that looked like every Ghostbuster was wearing a high turtleneck all the way up to their chins almost. Ironically, the Ghostbusters Frozen Empire trailer has now shown us Ghostbusters in high turtlenecks. So, you know, you might have wanted to use these selfie series figures and get yourself a six inch customized red parka to make yourself into a little version of the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer Ghostbusters, but or rather the Ghostbusters Frozen Empire trailer Ghostbusters. But, uh, you know, that's not going to be an option for you at this point. Unfortunately, uh, maybe we'll get to see figures that have high turtlenecks if we get another line of plasma series figures. But you won't be getting them from selfie series. Uh, I do wonder if this means that the few selfie series figures I've seen go up on eBay over the last few years uh, where people were dissatisfied with their likeness and that they've tried to sell off for pennies on the dollar uh, will suddenly spike in value because what do you know? You won't be able to get the particular body buck uh, that is utilized for these figures anymore. You'll only be able to get a standard plasma series one, arguably. Uh, we'll see. But, you know, it's kind of sad to see this go away because it was an innovative idea. And I think that there was, you know, big hopes that this would be successful and people would be able to 
kind of achieve their dream of having a version of themselves as an action figure. Maybe we'll get to see this kind of process refined in the future, you know, as 3D printing gets better, as casting gets better, as scanning gets better. Uh, but for now, if you were looking to get a selfie series figure, that window has unfortunately closed. In other Ghostbusters merchandise news, the holiday season is upon us, and along with it are some new holiday sweater options for Ghostbusters fans. Jason over at Ghostbusters News reported on a new light-up ugly Christmas sweater available uh, from licensed apparel maker Mad Engine over via Amazon at $69.95. It's pretty cool. It lights up. Uh, it has different things on it, like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man in the chest and a series of like Christmas trees across the bottom, I'm pretty sure. Um, it's a fun sweater, but I'll be honest with you in telling you that you don't really need to spend $69.95 on it at Amazon because you can actually go and grab it from UglyChristmasSweater.com for $59.95 with free shipping, and you can likely pick up an additional 15 to 20% off using a promo code on the top of the website if you're, you know, lucky or smart. Uh, I know that there was one there for, uh, for Cyber Monday at the time that I recorded this, but by the time you hear it on Tuesday, that might be gone, but it seemed to me over the last week that they had a pretty strong rotation of promo codes uh, that you can probably find one either there on the website or, you know, somewhere else like Retail Me Not or something. Uh, but the point is that the sweater is made by Mad Engine. It's really cool looking. I got to be honest. I kind of want one. Um, I, I kind of swore myself off of buying more Christmas sweaters because I only get to wear them for like two to three weeks. Yet I spend a bunch of money on them. Uh, but the design on this is really fun. It's got a Ghostbusters logo on the chest that's covered in Christmas lights, uh, you know, that are sort of like weaved into the design and then it has LEDs embedded within that that light up the bottom of the sh the uh, sweater has a design of alternating Christmas trees and stay puffed heads and the entire sweater has a bunch of different holiday accents and you know sort of snow themed things on it it's an ugly Christmas sweater you know what these look like uh, but it's a new one and it's pretty cool and I will say that I think it's better than the uh, one that exists already from Spirit Halloween that's been out of stock for quite some time I like this design a lot better so if you haven't seen this already, you can head over to Ghostbusters News to check it out. There's two other options for sweaters, though, that Ghostbusters News has not yet reported on at the time of my recording this, but that doesn't mean that Jason won't by the time you hear it, so <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but Amazon has two options available from Ripple Junction, who is a licensed apparel maker who makes t-shirts and hoodies and a variety of other things with the Ghostbusters license. If you search for Ghostbusters sweater on Amazon, you'll find two new designs from Ripple Junction. One of them is a Stay Puft sweater depicting Tubby Soft Squeeze on the belly section of the sweater, as well as on the arms and the elbow region, with Stay Puft branding in white on a blue background across the chest. The sweater additionally has red, white, and blue stripes, making for a fun and bright design. The other sweater is much more straightforward, but no less cool. It features the Ghostbusters logo set on a black sweater with red accents on the elbows, neck, cuffs, and bottom. Both of these sweaters are available for a far more affordable $37.95, but neither of them lights up, and neither of them is particularly an ugly Christmas sweater. I mean, I think you can wear them to an ugly Christmas sweater party and nobody would question you because they're still, you know, pretty tacky, garish, awesome, I want them sweaters. <laughs> but the uh, point being that they're not, you know, Christmas themed. They don't have a bunch of different, uh, you know, Christmas trees on them and Christmas lights and things. So they're far more just Ghostbusters sweaters, but that doesn't mean you can't buy them and wear them to an ugly Christmas party or an ugly Christmas sweater party. What is an ugly Christmas party? Do you just go there and stare at someone's tree and make fun of it? Um, but if you're going to an ugly Christmas sweater party, there's no reason why you couldn't wear these as options. And if you just want sweaters that you could wear when it's not Christmas, like I'll be honest, when I look at these, I'm like, I kind of want these more than the Christmas sweater because I could wear this you know, in February and people probably wouldn't ask me if I thought it was Christmas time. 
<laughs> but if you need one more knit Ghostbusters item, Ripple Junction also has a set of soft Sherpa crew sleep socks, say that three times fast, featuring the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man on them. These are basically long stretch socks that are kind of like their existing uh, three pack of stretch socks, except that these are double lined and layered uh, with thick blue tops and red pom poms that if I wore in my house would have my cat chasing me across the house as I walk. Uh, so I may not get these because I don't want to trip over my cat and die. Uh, but these are kind of fun and cute. And if you're into like, you know, kind of goofy socks as Christmas gifts and things, these are a really cool and good option. So you can pick these up from the Ripple Junction store on Amazon as well for $19.99. Uh, if there's more Ghostbusters Christmas stuff that comes out, we'll certainly let you know. As far as I know, there's no new Ghostbusters ornaments this year from Hallmark. I uh, haven't run across anything yet, but, you know, maybe we'll luck out. Maybe there'll be some change to that. But I kind of think that we may be more in line to see more Ghostbusters, you know, sort of Frozen Empire themed holiday merch maybe next year rather than expecting to see a lot of brand new stuff this year. But we'll see. In Ghostbusters community news, there's not a lot to report on this week in terms of, you know, new uh, fan released items and things or new fan released toys or props, etc. Because there was a lot of folks who were marketing things over Black Friday weekend. Um, and I hope that you got to see some of what I was pushing out for folks uh, via Instagram stories, etc., I want to stress, though, that if you're out there running a charitable event right now or you have something going on for the holiday season you want folks to know about, please, by all means, reach out to Extraplasm on social media or via email at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. But one thing I want to make sure you know about, and you've already heard me mention once, and you're going to hear me talk with Ryan about very in depth um, for the rest of the episode, is that the Ghostbusters toy drives are kicking off this week and that there is this live telethon on Wednesday night for the NYC Ghostbusters uh, who are going to be inviting on over a dozen, it looks like almost two dozen uh, franchises that are going to be coming on to talk with them about what they're doing in their areas, who they're benefiting, etc. But part of the deal with that telethon is that's also a direct fundraiser uh, for the NYC Ghostbusters direct initiatives to help uh, provide toys to kids in uh, the South Bronx who are in temporary housing, etc. And so uh, this is something that I want to encourage folks that is my sort of big push this week on community news. That if you can tune in to uh, this live stream that's happening over at GhostbustersToyDrive.com at 8 p.m. Eastern and consider donating uh, to this event. Ryan's going to talk a bit about some of the perks that will be happening during the event and an opportunity where you might be able to get some pretty cool stuff like a cool sticker uh, if you are donating and making a minimum donation. But there's going to be a whole bunch of different stuff going on during this event that you'll want to be a part of, especially if you're the kind of person who got into things like the big Ghostbusters trivia uh, stream that was done a few years ago that people had a blast with and that uh, John Roop, who's been on the show before, uh, won as was champion of that competition. So uh, and who knows, you might even see someone, you know, on there or find out about a franchise operating near you or events that you didn't know about. So uh, that's sort of my big community news push this week. I know the whole episode is going to talk about this a bit in depth, but I'm going to give it to you here, too, in case you're the kind of person who breaks up the episode and listens to it in pieces. Um, revisits it that I want you to know before we hit the 20 minute mark of this week uh, that, you know, you should definitely check out that event and support the toy drives that are going on and kicking off this week. And for a while now, I've been trying to leave the headline segment with something fun or interesting to go take a look at that doesn't necessarily serve as like hard news or an event that's happening, but rather just something cool to take a look at. And this week, the thing I'm going to tell you that I really want you to go take a look at because I think it's great is Jason Fitzsimmons over at Ghostbusters News has taken the time to go dig through 
uh, early releases and demos and prototypes of the 2009 Ghostbusters video game and to identify different scenes that we did not get in the original game. Uh, there's He's got footage of a different model, uh, basically for Rookie, that is a different person entirely of a different gender. Um, he has um, different cut scenes that have different dialogue in them that I didn't know existed. And I've only been able to sort of scratch the surface on starting to take a look at this before producing this week's Extraplasm, but I'm also totally stoked about it because I love Spirits Unleashed, but I love even more Ghostbusters, the video game from 2009. And there's so many things that we heard about that got lost in the process of the development of that game, uh, such that, you know, for Jason to be able to uncover some of it and to assemble it in a way that's easy to digest rather than you having to go out and find all these files and figure out how to install them all, etc., is a really awesome thing to do. Uh, so if you haven't seen this already, head over to Ghostbusters News uh, later on after you listen to the episode and after you listen to me and Ryan talk and check out what Jason's got kind of cooked up over there with relationship to the Ghostbusters video game, because I thought he did a really good job of covering some of the things we didn't get to see and that are really insightful and cool. OK, uh, so with our headlines wrapped up, let's go now to my conversation with Ryan Espen of the New York City Ghostbusters as we find out a bit about the charitable work that the NYC Ghostbusters are doing this holiday season and have been doing over the last year. Joining me on Extraplasm Podcast for the first time and from a place that is the Empire State but is not yet frozen even though we're tracking into winter, and even though Ghostbusters toy drives and Christmas and holiday seasons are coming, I'm really thrilled to be talking with Ryan Espen of the NYC Ghostbusters. Ryan, how are you? Uh, I'm great, Jim. Thank you. Thank you for asking me to be here, because, uh, holy moly. Yeah. I don't know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just exhausted. I'm exhausted. (laughs) Well, I hope, I'm I'm glad that you're here, and um, I'm glad that you took some time to talk with us, because I know that you have a lot going on as we're tracking into the holiday season. Uh, We're going to talk a bit about the toy drive effort that you have going on that you've been kind of I, I know there's a lot of different franchises involved in it, but I'll say yes. that you've done a lot of work to organize a lot of the communication about it. You have a live stream coming up. We're going to talk about a bit, um, but you're I will say that your name is one that came up um, repeatedly every time I talked about Toy Drive over the last like year um, when I was talking with the Countdown City Geek Cast guys last year. Um, they were like, Ryan Espen is one of the great people who's doing this. And then I would talk oh, to somebody else a few weeks later and say, hey, do you hear about this Toy Drive thing? Like, oh, yeah, I think Ryan is doing that. Ryan who Ryan Espen. Oh, OK. And so this year I was like, I'm going to make sure I talk to you um, and kind of give you an opportunity to come on the podcast and talk because I love talking to the L.A. Ghostbusters who are doing great charitable work. But I also am like a New Yorker through and through. So I'm always like, is there an opportunity for us to talk about New York things and Ghostbusters and charity? So (laughs) I'm here for all New York things to talk about. So, yeah. Uh, So the toy drive, right? Uh, This is our third year this year doing our live telethon, which. started the you know three years ago uh when sony reached out you know ghost core reached out to all the different groups about organizing a ghostbusters toy drive i don't know if you recall when that happened yeah no um, i totally remember it and it was all of a sudden emails back and forth and then it's like okay it's gonna be like in the next three days and we yeah, were like what it was <laughs> it was very typically and i say this with love about ghost core and ghost hollywood it was very much like, hey, we're going to do a thing and we're going to do it right now. Right. Yeah. And it was kind of and I always find this funny because I think there's an ethos to Ghostbusters in this way that like all things Ghostbusters happen with like two weeks notice. And yeah. it's based off of like what you can scramble and get together. 
And somebody said to me at one point, like, do you think that's just, you know, that people should plan better or do something? I was like, no, that's what makes it a Ghostbusters event. It's like, yeah. that's how Ghostbusters operates. They're basically like, what can we scramble together in two weeks time to fight this paranormal thing that's happening and pull it together? And it's kind of amazing. Like it started out what very much as, as I recall, like, hey, there's a day happening. And if you're a franchise, get out there and try and do a toy drive on the day that it's happening. And from there, you kind of ran with it. You had this much larger fundraising effort that had a GoFundMe at the time, I recall. Yeah. Um, and, I think and, that Jason um, Reitman and Ken had, had donated to it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so. that was wild. And so it was really last minute kind of thing, because for years we've been doing uh, a toy drive for uh, one of our members. His He works for the Bronx Department of Education. So okay. we've been working directly with them with a toy, an annual toy drive. And we would just go uh, reach out to family and friends saying, you know, this is the Amazon wish list. Can, if you guys want to purchase something, you know, go ahead, go here. Sure. Um, so we were trying to figure out the logistics of doing one in person. And then it's like, okay, we're going to do this in three days. So I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it came down to, uh, well, what if instead of us going somewhere, we just bring people to us and <laughs> that's where it came with the idea of doing the, the toy drive as like a, a live telethon. Like I, yeah. I kind of just like last minute goofily at late at night was like, Hey, what if we just, you know, like Jerry Lewis, this thing and just bring <laughs> on special guests and <laughs> you know, I'll wear like a, I'll get one of those really long skinny microphones and we'll just <laughs> we'll just see how this goes um and it stuck uh it sounded like something we could do um because uh unrelated to ghostbusters i i've i've handled live streaming on a separate youtube board game podcast that i do and so i'm familiar with with that how how that works you know um what's the name of your that board game podcast? Oh, uh, tabletop express yeah gotcha so uh yeah, I'm, I'm big in the board gaming outside of uh, ghost busting. But bringing it back to the toy drive, we were very much focused on getting as many groups as we can. So we were reaching out to other groups. And it was at that point where we were just reaching out to like groups that we knew personally, because there's so many Ghostbuster group fan, uh, fran uh, franchises out there. We wanted mm -hmm. to reach out to the ones that we knew that we've worked with in the past. And we were like, hey, are you doing this? OK, even if you aren't, can you just please go out to our telethon? Just talk about your group for like five <laughs> minutes in this past year, and then we're just gonna move on to the next one. Um, and we had a live GoFundMe go on at the same time, so people can donate while they watch. Um, and then we had one guy, Nick, in our group who would just control like the ticker and control like people coming in and out. And then right. another guy in our group, James, handled how to purchase things at Target and work directly with the Bronx, the Bronx Department of Education, like buying these, buying these toys. Gotcha. And throughout the night, as we kept getting, like we got, I, I, I think like by the end of the first night, it was like $3,600. And around <laughs> like the 2,500 mark, the target site just crashed his entire cart. And it was just all gone. Because <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> they probably thought it was like some bot or something. You know, right. just filling uh, a cart full of like thousands of dollars worth yeah. of different so toys. We're, like, we're what like, is this? <laughs> yeah. So we're like, crap, what do we do? We're like, uh, I don't know. We'll just run with it. <laughs> so um, so what happened was once all the money went into the GoFundMe, we set up a, a specific day 
where the Bronx Department of Education wanted us to bring our ecto to a tar- to a target up in the Bronx, and we just closed out a register and just had target employees just roll in like carts and carts of toys, and then we just paid the bill. That's that's all we did. <laughs> that's amazing. So, yeah, I remember seeing photos of this when you all did it, and I was like, this just like straight up went there. Like yeah. and just filled like giant boxes full of toys. Just went to the checkout, and took over a register. That's amazing. So yeah. And what did so you now, raise that first year? Like total, do you remember? Uh, it was it was over four thousand. I know that. So every year we do. The goal is that year. So that year was twenty two thousand twenty two. Gotcha. Uh, no, two thousand twenty one. Man. Right. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Melton. The year after uh, life came out. It's okay. We all right. forget. <laughs> right. It was after life that came out at that year. So we also had, you know, Jason Reitman just like was our one of our earliest donors just dropped like 500 bucks. That's awesome. Like, Whoa, geez. <laughs> We're already there. Um, and then uh, the year after that, I think it was around $2,300, $2,600. So, you know, not as much as the first year, but it was still a great time. And what was different about that one was we had the guys from Countdown Geekcast. You know, we had Ted and, and Matthew. Uh, Ted also is part of Ghostbusters San Antonio. Right. And he, he actually got a lot of these groups together to say, hey, if you're going to do a toy drive, you know, uh, definitely do it this year. And we would love to help out. And, you know, while this is going on, right, like a year after our, our telethon and them getting like, toy drive and groups together we reached out because we were like hey what's going on here (laughs) (laughs) we're the toy drive people what's going on no but uh but i'm so grateful that he did that because he reached out to a lot of groups that were a lot of like really small we had we had a group that started like a week before (laughs) the toy drive uh join um and it was just crazy we had like 40 different groups and it was one of those things like we're trying to dedicate like five minutes of time per person how right. are we going to do this? And we're like, let's just do it. Cause we were figuring out like, do we do like maybe some groups? And we ended up doing all like 40 something groups and just like go from East coast to West coast with some bathroom breaks, one bathroom <laughs> break in between, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember watching it. Um, because I, I remember watching some of those groups that had just been like, they had heard about the toy drive effort that had been kind of kicked off. Yeah. And gone, well, we could do that. We have flight suits. What if we did it? But they'd never done an event like that before. And yeah. it was sort of that impetus of like, you know, sort of uh, Ted and Matt kind of reaching out and sort of starting their side of it of kind of cultivating people together and connecting with you and kind of making this almost like it became something that went from, you know, oh, if you have a franchise, go out and do it to much more of an organized sense of there is a even if it's not all on the same day, there is an organized movement to be hosting these toy drives and to sort of recognize this, the sort of cumulative success of everybody's efforts in that process, which I just think is amazing. And I love so much. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. And, and we were, we were more than happy to, you know, use this time for the telethon to like really highlight these groups. Like, cause I still feel like there's a need out there for how do I find the closest franchise to me? You know, sure. like how do I find out about these ghostbuster groups? Um, so I think the the telethon is a perfect time to say, you know, if you're doing a toy drive, just come up and talk about your group for five minutes and then, you know, you're done. And people yeah. will notice, people will reach out and and you know, and hopefully hopefully they, they raise what they need to through it and 
we have right now 18 other groups signed up for this year, um, as opposed to 40. But you know what? I'm, it, it's, it's just so exciting to do it again. And it's 18 as of now, Saturday right. of the week, because we literally had people sign up like, this is go time tonight. We're recording, <laughs> you know, so, yep. so who knows, you know? Yeah. And well, I'll say this too, that like, even if you have 18 who are end up coming to a live stream, it doesn't mean that that's 18 who are the only people participating, right? Like we're part of live streaming is that you have to get it done. Everybody has to be available. Everyone yeah. has to be there. Right. And so in some ways, like even if you don't get every person on the live stream, you can still get people who are involved and still contributing to the effort. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, wait, but the live streams tomorrow because it's happening on Wednesday and the podcast is on Tuesday. How am I supposed to get involved in that much time? You can still get involved in doing a toy drive. <laughs> yeah. There's no reason yeah. you can't, you know, but yeah. Um, let, so let's talk about this for a couple minutes. I, I wanted to sort of talk to you a bit about like if for folks who are trying to get a toy drive like this started what what's like your advice on how to do because i know like for you it was like hey let's go and run and we can grab the people around us and like we'll go and do this GoFundMe. like what, what what would you provide to somebody as a piece of advice now like who's trying to start up a toy drive for the first time like what are some basic things that they should do or some tips you'd provide on how to get it done and have it be successful yeah um so for sure remember you are a ghostbuster in a flight suit right and you could kind of act as like the makeshift Santa for a toy drive that does not have a Santa. So first and <laughs> foremost, find existing toy drives and say, hey, do you want our group to help you guys out? Help spread right. the word for another smaller toy drive. Like we, our, our group in particular, we like to focus on very small local charities that we actually feel like... Um, that our group can make an impact and hopefully help out, you know? Um, and with the, with the South Bronx toy drive, it's such like a focused thing. It's not like, you know, like a giant conglomerate kind of nothing against look, nothing against donating wherever, but no, I, I feel like if you could find a local toy drive to you that would need a Ghostbuster appearance, do like a fill the Ecto kind of thing. Right. Uh, even if you don't have an Ecto, you can still say it's a fill the Ecto and just bring something, <laughs> you know? Um, just have the, the Ghostbusters cart, there. Yeah. Little Tykes and, car. <laughs> yeah. You know, fill, yeah, the Ecto cart, right? You know, get get creative, get caution tape on it, and boom, you're done. Yeah. You know? As long as that's caution stripe accounts, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, for sure, reach out to uh, existing toy drives first and foremost. Anything local, grocery stores, like anything like shopping plazas uh, that that have some sort of drive, then you're set there. You know. Yeah. No, that's smart. I think that like, and I think it's important to consider that because, you know, I think it is daunting to be like, oh, can we connect with like a big, huge, you know, uh, and I'm not, I don't want to name any names because it's not even negative, but just. Um, trying to connect with a big, massive, like nationwide charity can be really difficult and challenging, yep. especially when you want to do something kind of local uh, and physical and have a presence at it. And I think a lot of the smaller charities in different towns um, kind of do get overlooked in some sense at this time of year, not because people yeah. are being you know mean to them, but there's so many different opportunities to donate money and whatnot. I even just think that like, you know, the Salvation Army is not bad, but the Salvation Army has how many bell ringers that... <laughs> Yeah. army of bell ringers and it's one of those things about going back to new york as a kid that just you would know it was holiday time because of the number oh, yeah. of bell ringers you see in the streets they're right? everywhere but yeah but it's like that's that effort doesn't exist for every charity and for every different uh non organization out there and so 
uh, connecting with what's in your community probably is good for that reason. But also like from my standpoint, it's about that helps you build relationships. Like, so yep. it's when you want to do other stuff down the line, you've met these organizations in your community and start to, you know, get to know people and they can call you up on the phone and go, Hey, it's 4th of July. You want to come out and help us with <laughs> your ecto yeah, and that's or whatever key. it is, you know? Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's for sure. Key. Like having these relationships with these established charities and making your group known, like these are the steps that, you know, that if you, if you are a, ghostbuster franchise that is interested in doing charity work these are the steps you need to take for sure yeah you know yeah um along those lines one thing i wanted to congratulate you know you all at the nyc ghostbusters for is that back in october you managed to pull off uh the what i think it's like eight other franchises have done this you've managed uh, to get 501c3 status i think we're either the ninth or tenth and then Buffalo is now either the 10th or 11th, but we just recently well then, became a 501c3. Yeah. We'll say just for it to be like, let's just be economic. We'll say that you're one of about a dozen. There we go. Yeah, like, that's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but congratulations uh, on that. Um, thank you. you know. it, it was scary. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, and, and, and I'm sure there's other Ghostbuster groups that are interested in doing this sort of thing. And it does seem scary. Um, first of all, we lucked out because our group has like 60 something members and one of them is an accountant that has experience nice. in this. So boom, the right person to steer us, steer us the right way. So shout outs to Jen. Hi Jen. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's um, awesome. And then, uh, yeah. And, and you know, it, it's basically, we're really just doing the same stuff. It's just, there's more paperwork involved. That's really what it is. Like now there's more <laughs> of the like now there's we really need to put all the paperwork down because granted the last two GoFundMes, right? They went to yeah. my personal bank account. So to keep things transparent, I have copies of receipts and I shared right. them with our donors on GoFundMe. And then I also <laughs> claimed it on my taxes as right. like a, this was a giant purchase that I made because, yeah, I don't want to. But now the good thing is because we're a 501c3 we have different avenues of now we could take donations directly, which is great, you know, and, yeah, and have I mean, this sort of track record for that. To me, that is a game changing thing. Cause I've talked about this on the podcast before that, like one of the biggest challenges for fan charity groups is that they live in this sort of gray financial area where the money they take in sometimes is like, it's got to go to a, a charity, but if it gets cut, put into your personal account, now somebody looks at it as income. And so yeah. you get, you know, oh, you owe this much money on income taxes this year because you had this much money deposited in your account. Yeah. Meanwhile, what that money really went to was supporting kids in a hospital right, or something yeah. along those lines. It was not income for you at all. And so it really complicates the circumstances for the folks who are running franchises and trying to run those kinds of events. And I think that, you know, the, your, I hope in your situation, you figured out the ideal ways to navigate that. Right. But it's like that's a perfect example, and a perfect story of you running two successful GoFundMe campaigns but the money ends up coming into someone's personal account. Yep. And there's not really a way to divert that money directly into an organization's account from within GoFundMe. So there becomes this weird intermediary step where the 501c3 to me is like becoming so much more necessary because yeah. it enables you to do better fundraising and in ways that, you know, are healthy for both you and for the constituency of people that you want to work with as clientele and help out. You yep. know, so yeah, um, but so it was kind of scary, but 
and the end, uh, what will enable you to kind of do is in terms of how you run things differently? Um, well, we, since we became a 501c3, um, and other groups too have, have definitely uh, looked into this, there's now yeah. a whole new avenue of grants, other ways for us to raise funding and to make larger donations to the different charities we, we donate to. You know, right. there's now specific overhead that can be handled specifically uh, through the grants, through, um, you know, just just different app, just basically I have the person, the person that is in charge of all the money. She knows what she's doing. So there's <laughs> greatness there. The other thing, too, is that being a 501c3, uh, there's now uh, it, it, it feels a little more like a job. I'm not going to lie about that at all like <laughs> it, it it definitely does um yeah. but uh it's it, it feels a bit more rewarding uh because at least like you see where your hard work is going and it's not just me like you see all everyone in our group sees where this hard work is going right and gets to contribute towards that so i think you know it just make things make things so much clearer the, the charity, by the way, that we donate to primarily, it's called the Trinity Play Shelter, which is a small homeless shelter in New York City focused on the LGBTQ youth of New York. So nice. um, they've been great to work with, like hands down, one of the nicest charities. Like we get we, we've we've gone there, brought food, uh, brought the car. You know, they all, they all had a great time. Um, and it's one of those things that it's such like a small charity that we that we get to actually interact with the people directly there like the people running it like right you know and and it feels like the work that we do the impact is there and that's what right. i feel like it's rewarding to i guess to the to to the entire team i know it's rewarding to, to me but you know it, it's it, it's nice to see where it's actually going no i understand that like i think that that's part of the problem of doing a lot of um, sort of like just donating from afar work is you don't get to see how the money gets utilized yeah. and you don't get to have that direct relationship. And I think that's part of why, like, it's good to be in the position to do both. Is that if that yeah. makes sense? Like you're in the good yeah. position to sort of make connections at a local level and do things like your toy drives and go out and connect with organizations. But part of what I was thinking about as you were talking about feeling like it's work is that um, there's also a different sense of legitimacy. Yeah, that you're granted by the fact that you can say, oh, well, we're actually an on the level organization that pays, you know, the processes are financed through taxes. And yeah. that means that you can donate to us and your donation is tax deductible. <laughs> so uh, it means that you have a, no doors, idea how many right? times I pitched that for birthdays recently. <laughs> like, you know, we could go to your birthday party and it's a tax deductible birthday party. You know, it's right. a win win. It's for a everyone. donation. <laughs> right. At the end of the year, you get to write it up. I mean, I'm laughing about this, but like. I recently just did this episode about, you know, Ghostbusters 2016 that was a where I went to a benefit screening where essentially yeah. like they, an organization called the Good Deed Corps that does this event called Stars in the Backyard. And the next one they're doing is like this coming month uh, has Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, and they're doing a screening of um, Step Brothers. And so for like one hundred and fifty bucks, you get to go be in an open bar, open food Q&A with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley after watching Step Brothers, but for five hundred bucks, you can you know go to like a private party with them afterwards and meet. And at first, like that sounds like oh my god, five hundred dollars a ticket. That's so much. And you go, but you could write that off, yeah. <laughs> right? Like that's at the end of the day, you can write that off potentially and reduce your overall tax burden. And in contrast to that, how many people 
paid to be like class five or class 10 attendees at Ghostbusters Fan Fest and then gets right off shit. <laughs> yeah, I, right. That's very true. You know, you like know, where was Lewis Tully in that where he had to think about kind <laughs> of be a tax de- yeah. deduction? Right. He was like trying you know? to figure out how to get airline miles for the trip because that was about all that was going to happen on that one. Oh, right? yeah. But like, but realistically, I think that like being a 501c3, as much as I'm joking about this, it's such an important step because it means that, yes, you can engage people like schools and, you know, non other nonprofit organizations with a greater sense of legitimacy and say, yeah, we're not just like a group of volunteers who are yeah. out there doing something and who can volunteer for your organization, but rather we're a partner organization that can develop and sustain long-term relationships. And so like, if you're listening out there as a franchise member and you like, are like, I want to do a toy drive. Great. Like totally do a toy drive. But then after that, talk to your accountant about yeah, how you true. start filing for 501c3 status. It's sort no, of talk my to mindset your on this. And say, Hey, are you a Ghostbuster fan and would like to join our group? If not, move on to another accountant. Just keep going. A, yeah. If you need to find an accountant, you just go door to door. And you're like, I just want to ask you, what are your feelings on Lewis Tully from Ghostbusters? Yeah. And, you know, if if they invite you in and ask you if you want to play Super Mario Brothers or Parcheesi, then you know you've found the correct accountant who you should hang out with. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I'm I'm joking, but it's like I am so impressed by every organization that does this. And I was so happy to see that you all did it because it really does change the dynamics on how you're viewed by organizations because the reality is that there are tons of people who are claiming to do charity work out there and not all of them are on level right so once you are sort of in that you know you've done the work to say look we are willing to do the paperwork and make sure that everything is on the level and we are willing to get certified to do it that kind of opens up doorways for you in a way that you know being average fans who just want to support an organization doesn't have the same cachet i guess so you know, again, congratulations to you all for it, because I think it's an amazing thing to have accomplished. Thank you. Um, yeah. How long did it take? Do you remember how long, like what your process uh, was? So it was a lot of back and forth at first. Uh, just there, there's, a, there's a lot of paperwork you have to establish. Like we've had bylaws for a very long time in the group, um, yeah. which our bylaws were initially based off of uh, the Alabama Ghostbusters bylaws. We, that okay. was the starting point. Because uh, by the way, um, I joined the group in 2014, but the group in its current state has been around since 2012. Okay. So um, that was already established by that point, the bylaws. And then, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a lot of back and forth figuring out with the, the IRS. There's some money that needs to be put down at first. Um, some lawyers need to be involved. And then we got, we wait for the IRS letter and boom, there it is. Yeah. My understanding is a lot of waiting and a lot of applying and documenting that you are, you know, doing legitimate activity of something as opposed to just like, yeah, we just started a 501c3 yesterday. It's going to be amazing. We're taking donations for free ice cream for us. Yep, (laughs) pretty much, you know, or the the, the human fund, you know. Yes, it's it's a reference (laughs) to Seinfeld, the human fund. Yeah. Um, everybody's getting a donation to the human fund this year. That's right. <laughs> Forgot about that. That's good. I like that. Um, well, not to change the subject off charity for a minute, but you've, sure. you've, you've made a New York reference. Cause I always think of Seinfeld as references as New York references, because to me, you can't be a New Yorker and not have watched Seinfeld. Like you have yeah. to have watched it. Uh, but I just want to ask you what you what you felt about this. The trailer you've seen the trailer, I presume for the new movie. Frozen Empire? 
Yes. Right. Yes. 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 If you said no, I would have been shocked. You'd be like, no, I haven't had any time. I've been doing so much charity work. Um, no. Uh, of course I've seen it. Yes. I, I want to see what you thought about this. Sure. How excited were you to see New York as that trailer opened? It was nice <laughs> to finally see it like back in action, even if it is the B-rolls and you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and the studio set in London and stuff. But it's nice to see like the New York City skyline and everything. Um, I do need to give full disclosure. So I am president of the New York City Ghostbusters. However, much like the New York Giants and Jets, I'm a resident <laughs> of New Jersey. <laughs> um but uh I, I've I've grown up in Jersey just close enough to the city, like, you know, yeah. that we would go so often to the city, you know. Yeah. Um, I I grew up on Long Island and I worked in Jersey like at one point and I came yeah. into the city every day and there was no point so where people said to me, "Are you from Jersey now?" Like, no, of course not. Yeah, I'm a New Yorker. I yeah. So <laughs> I drive in every day. I got the miles to show it. I have an Easy Pass. Would you like yeah. to see it? Um, yeah. Uh, but that, that's I don't think that's uncommon, really. I think that realistically, like if you work in New York. And you kind of experience culture in New York, you need to live around it. And that also right. includes right on the other side of a bridge or a tunnel. It's, it's, um, it's cheaper. Yeah. Not going to lie. Yeah. It's your, <laughs> and you get a backyard. Um, <laughs> it's a sizable backyard. It's pretty good. You yeah. Know? You know, otherwise you, uh, you have to, I mean, hey, even you have one of your compatriots from New York there, uh, Chris Sorrentino, shout out to Pete's Mr. Yep. Pizza Plaza, Mr. Real Ghostbusters. Um, that guy. You know. He's got his Staten Island backyard and he's got yeah. all kinds of wildlife. He's got all his, his family of raccoons back oh, there. Oh, I know. Pizza. He's like a Disney princess with those raccoons. It's amazing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think he just adopted a cat. I think that they yes, he he did. had a cat in the backyard. That, yes, um, he Breaking did. news, everyone. Chris Sarantino, aka Pizza Plasm, has new pets. Um, yeah. He's, a, he's awesome. I met him very long ago. I think it, it must have been. 2011 near comic-con is when i met him because uh we were we were there i, I was there actually that year is the first year i dressed up as a ghostbuster at new york comic-con gotcha um and that was when we were doing the minions of gozer show which is like ghostbusters meets rocky horror picture show so we were there ran into chris sorrentino and immediately he was like all about the puppet slimer i had and all about like <laughs> oh, ghostbusters yeah and you know he came to a show we were on his podcast and now he's a member of our group and he's such an awesome guy yeah he's been on this podcast and i really enjoy talking with him um he's got some artwork out right now coming out over the holiday season that is out and i'm pretty sure he's the person who drew your awesome logo isn't he for your your toy drive logo uh yes for the, for the toy drive yes yeah. So our so. toy our toy drive graphic uh that was that graphic came about last year and we were cuz he we asked him if he would be willing to draw something for the for uh graphics wise for for the event. Cuz last year I don't know if last year's graphics we had like a, a Christmas wreath with all the different franchises as like yeah. different ornaments and a lot of like the mini puffs and stuff. And yeah. then we were like can you just draw the ecto with with the Christmas tree on top and then like he took it to the next level and made it look amazing. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. Geez, it's still like, you know, it needs to be on every Christmas card I send out because it's such yeah. a great piece of art. Um, so I'm going to yeah. give a little spoiler about this, the, the, uh, the, the charity drive we're doing on Wednesday, like the, the telethon, but we actually have some stickers made up 
of, oh, nice. of that Ecto. Um, nice. We are giving them at a minimum donation. I don't know what the minimum yet is. I'm guessing $10. I'm guessing. Um, but those would be sent out to like the first 50 donors. Oh, nice. So that yeah, means I need to be in line. I'm going to get you could be in line. There you go. <laughs> People can come and try and get stickers at the telethon and I'm going to be there in force. I'm going to bring an army of bots with me so that way I can make sure I get one. I maybe oh, 50 good. of them and put them all on eBay. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, <laughs> outside of stickers at the telethon, what else can people expect in the telethon this year? Yeah. So actually, uh, I want to see new faces on this telethon. So I'm actually bowing out of hosting duties uh, gotcha. and getting two of our members to host this year's telethon. So we're going to have um, Charlie Rivera, who is also a member of the Long Island Ghostbusters and gotcha. a member of our group to do co-hosting duties with Luna Mars, who just joined our group last year, too. So nice. I'm pretty pumped about that. That's great. Um, and do you expect, you said 18 people or 18 different groups right now are involved in the toy drive? You have them all coming yeah. on the telethon? As of now, there's 18 different groups signed up. And then our group, of course, is one of is 19, I guess. And then we always interview... Uh, a member from the uh, you know Department of Education, just so people right. see where the money is going, um, and then yeah, so we got twenty, you know, and then there could be surprises. I don't know. It depends if uh, I get emails back. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, people have to tune in to find out about what surprises may happen. Yeah, like, that's tune the, in more. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I'll be honest. If you're a fan of Ghostbusters out there and you're a fan of Ghostbusters franchises, it's a fun night to tune in and watch people sort of talk. And I imagine that, you know, with each group, you're going to have an opportunity to kind of connect. And like, we're all in the midst of being excited about an upcoming Ghostbusters movie. So there's like no yeah. shortage of people to talk to about what they're excited about or what's happening. And as each group is getting ramped up for not just, you know, the holiday season, but also just, hey, there's a movie coming out and we're all getting stoked. So now the question is, how many on the stream are going to be wearing red parkas, you know? <laughs> That's the question. Yeah. yeah, I imagine that if they are in red parkas and on their web streams, then there's going to be probably some very hot people. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Especially if they have any sort of lighting on them. Forget it. You know? Yeah. Like, it's just going to be kind of painful to endure. So hopefully not. I'm going to hope yeah. if people are in red parkas that they've gone out and gotten like, I don't know, the Timu version of the red parka that uh, yeah. you can just tear away. You know, uh, uh as dumb as this sounds, I'm surprised no one has gone with the name Red Parka Jr. for this. Because yeah. <laughs> that's what I that's the first thing when I heard Red Parka, like adding Jr. to it, you know? Yes, this is I like this idea. This Red Parka Jr. It's this is somebody should sell that. That should be like, honestly, that, you think you may have just named a phantasm toy. That to me is like a perfect Red name Parka Jr. <laughs> Like I was thinking, like yeah, you know, or like a new screen name. This is the AOL days, you know. I oh, was man. really surprised how long it took the fandom to come around to starting to make red coats jokes. Yeah, and oh, by yeah. that I mean like someone posted like, in like GB fans and wrote like, "Hey, where do you, where do you get that red coat?" And I wrote back, "I don't know, but if it's by land, it'll be one lantern. If it's yeah. by sea, it'll be two. Like just." <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> oh, God. But I will admit also, I think that those are a little bit of like, and you can probably appreciate this, that I've learned this living out here in California, that not everybody has the same sense of colonial history as a person who grows up in one of the original 13 colonies and is really deep into that, like that educational system. That's like, let's make sure you know about everything that happened here. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. 
you get to learn about New England, New York, um, but not so much here. They learn more about like missions and things in terms of like the uh, underlying history because it's what essentially that's what happened settlement there. here. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there you go. Different podcast, everybody. You're like, is it Jim? When did the history podcast start? I don't know. I don't make one. Let's not get further <laughs> into it before I get things wrong. Um, but in more recent history, we talked about your 501c3 experience. The other thing that yes. you've had go on is you all were at New York Comic Con. And yeah. uh, I believe you were you mentioned the LI Ghostbusters, Long Island Ghostbusters. Shout out to them. Um, because yep. as a person who's originally from Long Island, I deeply respect that there is a Long Island Ghostbusters and that for many years they were participants at the spooky walk at Camp Paquatuck because that's like literally where I grew up. Um, oh, so cool. like I used to go to spooky walk as a kid. Uh, so to see them doing it there is great. So I'm glad you were partnered with them and you were also partnered up with the Hudson Valley ghostbusters who I also think are great and shout out to yes. them because I literally lived in the Hudson Valley for eight years of my life and was a college professor. So you were hanging out with like people from all of the places that I have grown and loved in New York. And then of course, Dan from Buffalo. Um, and the, the, the we Buffalo, did have, we folks. did have Buffalo there. And of course they brought, they brought over a firefighter from hook and ladder eight to work <laughs> at our booth as well too, you know, which made you 100% without question official. Cause now you had, you know, official firehouse representatives. I mean, you were already official. You're a 501 C3. Um, <laughs> and we beat Buffalo. You're listening, Buffalo. Sorry. But tell me a bit about like, um, you know, I want to talk about NYCC in particular in a minute, but I like this idea that like as a New York City franchise, you are collaborating with the other franchises and sort of like the suburban outlying lands around you. Right. Like that. That's it's everybody's a train ride away. Basically, you can come into the city and meet up with you and have this sort of collaborative thing going on at New York Comic Con. How has that come about? Like the sort of collaborative engagement that you have with the other franchises around you? I, I personally feel like there's no reason for any Ghostbuster franchise to engage in a turf war. Like, this is not West Side right. Story, you know, <laughs> um, as much as I love doing the ballet. Um, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're all cut from the same cloth. We love Ghostbusters. None of us own Ghostbusters. And right. we just got to remember that. Like, we just love. And, and the other thing, too is that to the general public, when you're working together, you're still just one Ghostbuster group. They're not going to care like what right. division you're from and whatnot. You're just, <laughs> you're just guys in flight suits, you know? Um, so uh, I, I try my best to, you know, reach out to some, some other groups that I like. Be, fortunately, being in New York, a lot of groups do tend to reach out too. Like they tend to reach out like, hey, I'm right. to the city, you know? Um, so we, we always, you know, try to, I, I guess, you know, just say, yeah, you know, if you have any questions, let us know. Um, myself and another, uh, Ghostbuster in our group, we're licensed New York city tour guides. So we actually do Ghostbuster tours as well too. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's one of the ways we raise money for charity, which is always fun. And I wondered if like part of that collaboration came out of the firehouse event, you know, I, I know that you've done the walking tour portion of it and stuff and help to coordinate that yeah. in the years past. And it just, it became something that, and this is by no means that I'm like putting down in any other group or any other group of groups out there. But I think that there are some groups out there that kind of operate in a, this is our turf. This is your turf or rather that is your group. This is our group. And we don't really come together to do much together. We may recognize each other at conventions and say hi, but we each have our own tables and we go our different directions kind of thing. And um, 
I like seeing that at a major convention like NYCC, you you've kind of got this model that invites in other franchises and kind of coordinates with them to be able to share that space and to help run and coordinate the booth. And it's kind of funny, like you said, this thing of, you know, um, <laughs> people not knowing, you know, who are you with? I've had yeah. that experience. Like I've had that experience of being like, I'm not in the LA Ghostbusters for anybody who ever wonders about this. I love the LA Ghostbusters. They're great people. I also like the folks in the Orange County Ghostbusters. They're great people too. Right. But like yeah. I try not to join. And I say this in all honesty and like all fairness, I think franchises are great, but as a person who wants to have a podcast and talk to lots of people from different franchises, I'm always afraid of being, Oh, you're with that franchise. And it creates that yeah. sort of, Oh, or is this a, that franchises podcast kind of thing? And so it's one of the reasons why I've been like, I'll be friends with everybody's franchise and I'll help promote anybody's stuff, but um, I'm not going to put one person's badge on my arm, right. Or one groups. Yeah. But I think that that's like so important in terms of helping nationwide efforts and things like collaborative toy drives and stuff work is generating that ethos and that model. So um, I don't know. I just kind of wondered like, how that works for you all at NYCC? Like, did it work well? Did you all collaborate well together? Yeah. Every, everyone we've had has been phenomenal. Uh, Hudson Valley in particular, they were there helping us out the year prior to. Um, gotcha. And then the Massachusetts Ghostbusters, we had one member from them come to us as well, too. And I've worked with them in the past at, uh, at Boston Comic Con. I've gone to their booth, and actually we ran our slime lab there. Uh, and they have a great, they have a great group over there, the Massachusetts Ghostbusters, good people. Um, but going back to it, like end of day, like we're all just big Ghostbuster fans and we just need to remember that and, and have fun with it, you know? So I, yeah. I, I like to collaborate as much as I can with other Ghostbuster groups. I have friends all over the world now because of this movie that we right. all love, you know? Yeah, I was so. just saying this that like uh, th recently that I feel like Afterlife was this weird gift that we all got to sort of like come back to to be friends with each other, like to kind of yeah. be, we all were Ghostbusters fans, but there was something to celebrate that we all could come together and be involved in and appreciate. And it's kind of like this now ongoing thing. We have a new movie coming out that we all kind of get to come together and celebrate and to kind of not to bring this all back up from last week's episode, but it's the difference of coming together to denigrate something because you thought that the movie was yeah. not so great. And that's the only way you can make friendship is to shit on something. Um, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I'm not one of those people, but I mean, yeah. that's what part of what I mean is that there's this collaborative thing that can exist that appreciates and loves this new movie and loves the, the property that's coming out. But also where I think we're all learning how to engage in better synergy and how to better, better collaborate with each other. And I don't know if that's because of like the pandemic required everybody to be collaborative in things and do things like toy drives on the internet um, because you couldn't <laughs> go out and do them other places. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's kind of changed uh, a bit. I think to some extent how some franchises are operating and being a little more open to that collaboration. And I think it's really healthy for the fandom and it's really healthy for the charity work because the more brains you can get kind of working together on the same effort fundraising, the more you can do collaboratively together. So, yeah. yeah. And part of, by the way, part, part of collaboration, part of the inspiration too, for the telethon was the collaboration that we saw when the windy city ghostbusters handled their, their trivia as well. Oh like yeah. That, like during the right. pandemic, that giant live stream, yep. I was there representing our group and we lost poorly, but, um, <laughs> You know, like it, it was cool to see all the other franchises out there. And yeah. it, it's it, it's 
it's nice to have like you have these friends all over the world that all share the same thing and like i like going to different conventions i remember in 2016 i was at gen con in indianapolis and i hung out with bob from windy city uh yeah. you know and then uh, we met some members of circle city ghostbusters there and man you know it's just it it's so cool just just doing this sort of stuff do you think that just for you at a personal level and this doesn't have to be about like the whole group but do you think that some of that like love of collaboration and that dy- that dynamic like willingness to adapt comes to some extent from like your love of tabletop stuff too like uh, I mean, like people can't see you right now but there's an, a ginormous wall of like board games behind you and tabletop games right yeah and, like i imagine there had to be some innovation that went on for you during the pandemic of like how do we do what we do as a community and playing when you oh, can't it get wasn't that bad play? because uh well there's actually a lot of cooperative board games and prior to the pandemic I actually was a fan of solo board gaming as well. There's actually solo gotcha. style board games, um, which is not like, okay, you take a move, then you take a move. It's like you're working, <laughs> you're, you're trying to f- beat the game and what, right. what mechanics are presented in front of you. Um, so yeah, with board gaming, you know, a lot of stuff went digital and I actually grew into finding another gaming group outside of my local community, but like, all over like the country like we'd have like we play online games and stuff right like the online board games which is a crazy topic if you don't know what's going on with on board games online but you can play board games online with people and it's fun. yeah no you totally can <laughs> i mean i yeah. i think about just the number of things that you can grab on steam to go play games online and i'm can't oh yeah remember the name of it right now but there's a thing called like tabletop, tabletop simulator, simulator, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you can basically like go get virtually any game somebody's ever created and like I figure did. out how to play it online. Yeah. I've even play tested games on there too. It's it's pretty That's cool awesome. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was a thing I never knew existed before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I did want to bring up one board game thing too. Ghostbusters and board games. I'm still waiting for the perfect Ghostbusters to board game thing. Uh, I'm, I love board games. I'm not a fan of a lot of the board, uh, Ghostbuster board games. Uh, so sorry for the snobbery, but I just no, wanted to bring fine. it up. I'm waiting no, for fine. the perfect moment of like Ghostbusters and board games to put together. <laughs> I'll tell you what's not, uh, just real quick for fun. And this is not to be like, Hey, sorry, but you made a bad game. Like I have that Ghostbusters monopoly and oh, yeah. it's fine. Like it's monopoly, right? But like it's monopoly with, yeah. I just don't understand like why there's a thing on it that you push a button that plays the Ghostbusters theme song or what that's for. Like, are you supposed it's to do toy. that when you pass go? Like, what's it for? What's it has yeah. no, no utility whatsoever in the process of playing the game. At no point do you pick up a chance card that's like, hey, you met Ray Parker Jr., a.k.a. Red Parker Jr. Red Parker Jr. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and you need to push the button now. No, there's just the button on the box for no reason whatsoever. So that, that way for novelty, you can play the it was music for you that to comes purchase out of it. it. Like, yeah, it was just like, hey, the, the, isn't this interactive and cool? And then you play it and you're like, oh, OK. And then just yeah. like beyond that, I just kind of like didn't I used to lease hotels in this game or something. Now, what am I doing? Um, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know that it translates well is my point. But you the know, role playing game is pretty good, though. Uh, yeah, from the 80s, the role playing game is interesting. Game, it's very good. Yeah. And I know there's a there there is a podcast. Uh, I think it's called Ghostbusters Resurrection or something. Yep. It was yep. a where they did the role playing game. They do it on and off. I don't think they've done it in the last couple of years. Yeah. I know that I know of that because of the fine folks over at the Crossrip uh, who oh, have cool. had folks on from that before in the past. Um, you can probably find those episodes in the Crossrip back catalog if you look. But um, 
yeah, no, I, I think that's kind of interesting that I don't know that I've found the ideal Ghostbusters tabletop game either. I think that that's, yeah. I'm still waiting for it, but it's also not a thing that I like. Here's my problem with tabletop games. I don't have kids and I have like one person who lives with me. So any board game I buy, we like play it once and then it goes on a shelf and then yeah. we look at it and go, hey, why do we have so many of these and we don't have people over and do anything with them? And all of our friends around the internet. <laughs> I play most of them in, online too. A lot of these don't even get touched. So that's the sad yeah. part. Unless I'm doing solo gaming, you know? Right. Yeah. So, but I do think uh, that there's an ethos to that, you know, sort of that collaborative, um, the t- tabletop play and tabletop gameplay has a lot of collaborative elements to it that I think when you bring into the notion of like, how do you bring a community together to do fundraising and stuff even makes sense to me. There's a, there's a common there can be a sense of competition, but also a common goal of having a, a fun environment. Oh, so it's yeah. Like you can be competitive about things. That's one of those things I love about the Starlight Initiative that we did. A lot of different franchises participated in. The LA Ghostbusters had a big emphasis in getting started was that you had a tally of how each franchise was doing in that process or how each organization was doing. But at the end of the day, everybody was contributing to the same amount of money. So it didn't really matter. So it was like yeah. even if you only raised, you know, $200 versus 2000 you could still feel like you did something. But if you also wanted to be like, we raised 2000, look at us on a list. You could feel good about yourself. Yeah, I know our group <laughs> joined that and we are probably one of the lower ones because I think we joined later because it was one of those things like, what is this? <laughs> like, we, yeah, like we were, we were, you know, and then uh, we ended up joining. Uh, and I think it ended like half a month after. Or so, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, but. it was it was kind of weird because it was like not everybody knew about it. And then we had something that we talked about on Extra Plasma Bunch. We did a raffle for it and stuff. But yeah. Um, you know, but if any, any amount of money at the end of the day was a good contribution to help kids have Ghostbusters gowns. And I think that that's, what's important about these kinds of collaborative engagements that, you know, you're doing, whether it's the toy drive or whether it's even just having folks out from locally at NYCC to contribute to what's going on. It's really cool. New York comic con was fantastic. I got to finally meet Maurice LaMarche personally. So that was also exciting. (laughs) I my proton pack, you know, uh, nice. And What's cool about New York Comic Con, um, first of all, like, so at New York Comic Con, I don't know if you've ever been to New York Comic Con, but um, I haven't. It's it, okay. It's it's crazy now. Like, I remember way back when I used to be able to go to on the day of New York Comic Con, walk in, buy my ticket and just walk in. It's not like that anymore right. at all. Everything sells out. There's exclusives. There's all sorts of stuff. Right. Um, but we've made some good. Uh, relationships there in New York Comic Con that we're we tend to be invited every year, um, and we usually go with the 501st groups. We're usually right next door to them, so all the Star Wars people are there, and then like, hey, it's the Ghostbusters, and <laughs> I love that we're in New York Comic Con this in this way because I look, I love everything about Ghostbusters and all the groups that are out there, but Ghostbusters is such a New York movie. It's so nice to see the ghostbusters at new york comic-con because of course they're going to be at new york comic-con you know yeah i mean this is part of why i asked you about the trailer and then i forgot that i asked you about it because i got derailed um yeah it's it's nice it's nice that it's back in new york even though i live in jersey whatever it's back no i mean but realistically like to me i went oh we're back in new york and seeing the wonder wheel and seeing all these little moments of coney island i was just like yeah that was cool We're back. Like, and we just oh did an God, event back at home. Coney Island too. We were at the the Cyclones game this past year. Nice. So, yeah. But I mean, and, like, but that's and, what I'm when it. But yes, it makes sense that you should be at yeah. New York Comic Con because, like, w- look, Oklahoma's great. 
I'm not taking anything yeah. away from fictional towns in Oklahoma that were actually shot in Canada, but um, <laughs> but yeah. like I, I love seeing the Ghostbusters in New York because it's part of you know the first movie. New York is one of the characters of the movie, right? Yeah, it is in the second sure. movie too, so much so that you know you have your mayor of New York talking about what are all of the New Yorkers going to do? Are they all supposed to just be nice to each other? And you get the sense that. New York is part of that movie. They come out and sing at the end. And it's part of what helps to save the day is that New York is part of the movie. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, the trailer made me light up in that way, but I can say for the same thing of like, there's a big difference between, and I'm not, again, this is a, the same way you said, it's nothing against anybody else. To me, there would be a big difference between encounter between encountering the ghostbusters in New York as a kid. If I were walking down the street versus encountering them, in the middle of New Mexico and for yeah. the New Mexico Ghostbusters, if you exist out there, that's not a shot at you. I swear. Um, I have relatives <laughs> who live outside of Albuquerque and they're very nice, but, you know, it's it's New York thing. It, it's, and, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Chris Sorrentino was on the show and he's absolutely right. If you come to New York, definitely bring your gear. If you want to see what it's like being, in New York City as a Ghostbuster. There's that one episode of the real Ghostbusters where the Ecto breaks down. It was the 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 call to Cthulhu, and they had to go yeah. down into the subway. And legit, those are the reactions we get. And it's great. <laughs> but the good thing is too, like everyone loves Ghostbusters in New York. Um, and I remember a couple times uh, I've taken advantage of that. Uh, unfortunately, there was one time when we were going to be late for uh, we were driving our Ecto. And we were going to be late for an event and because uh, I, I missed a turn. So it was going to add like another 15 minutes of traffic. So I got to a red light <laughs> intersection. And I'm like, you know what? Forget this. I turned on the sirens and the lights <laughs> and just made an illegal U-turn in the intersection. <laughs> there was a cop on the corner and he just looked at us and mouthed out like, go, just go. Just wave, wave his hand saying, go. Like. Like, you know, like, like, the, like NYPD is so cool with the Ghostbusters. Like they, they, it's funny they, you say this they have a blast with it. It's funny you say this because, you know, recently at the same time as you were there for NYCC, uh, Ecto one NJ, uh, yeah. was coming, yep. had, had come to New York comic con as well and was yep. doing their ghost tours around the city during that period yep. of time. And I was thinking about this, like, this is part of where you go, New York and Ghostbusters fit together. Like if you come out for the firehouse event then you can do a walking tour with basically a Ghostbusters New York tour guide docent, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. you get to be take your tour guide job, like the, your credentials, right? The yep. the ability to be a, a trained tour guide and apply it to Ghostbusters and do a specific tour for that. And if that's not good enough, you can now literally also ride in a authentic movie replica that will drive yep. you around the city and give you a tour of the city, which I'm like. You can't do that in any other city. You that's that's because New York is in the movie, right? Like, yeah. You if you were to do that here, you could drive people in a skid row and you could show them a bombed out firehouse. No one can go in and go. That's yep, true. That's where it happened. I still want to go sure there. Your doors are locked. Yeah. <laughs> I still need to get inside. I really want to. I've yeah. driven by. I've stopped. I've gotten out of my car, but I've never made it inside, right? And so, um. But to me, it is very much that like New York is so much part of the movie that you have these experiences of being able to do these tours and whatnot. And <laughs> with, in terms of you describing this thing about the cops loving the Ecto and loving New York, they very much had the same experience. I know that Tony Taylor and Brendan Pierce were on the podcast recently and talked about their experience of riding with uh, Greg Hilliard, who's the Ecto mm -hmm. tech, uh, yep. as they came out to New York Comic Con 
And basically, like, you, there's video of this that Greg drops them off. And as he pulls back in the traffic, he just throws the blue lights and the sirens on. And he just pulls yeah. back into the roadway into yeah. moving traffic as everybody hits the brakes. And everybody's like, yep, nope, that's it. The Ecto-1's here. <laughs> that's the Ghostbusters. Yeah. And it's the cops to are here. into it. Like, it's like, yeah, this is it's we we've actually got pulled over once on the Jersey Turnpike. So the state of course take a picture in the Jersey that's, side. But yes, that's what it was. The yeah. <laughs> but it was so we could take a picture, you know. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it, it's it's surreal. And uh, yeah, they, they, they are doing their tours. Uh, we also do tours as well, too. We like you did mention we did. Yeah. We did the walking tour on Ghostbusters Day. Um, so with those tours, uh, we do it as an effort to raise money for the Trinity Place Shelter as well. Uh, we schedule them out. So if you guys ever come to New York and want to do either a walking or an ecto tour, just message us directly on Facebook or email us, um, nice. and then we we could schedule it up. Um, but there's I'm only gonna... two of us, and you know we're all we're all full time employees. So it's a matter of can we make it work within our schedule yeah. too? <laughs> I'm gonna come out to New York, and I'm gonna demand that everyone take me on their tour, and then I'm gonna put there together you go. like a Zagat guide. It's yeah. just like nothing but Ghostbusters tours in a book rated. We actually <laughs> ran into NJ Ecto NJ too when we were doing one of our tours. Like we we like we pulled up at the firehouse with our Ecto right behind <laughs> like, and and theirs was there. And it was so cool. It was nice to talk to with them. They're good guys, you know. That is surreal uh, though cuz it's kind of funny that like <laughs> it's like showing up for dropping the kids off for school. Except yeah. it's Ecto's in a line waiting to get in the firehouse. <laughs> yeah. You know. And they're so cool. They're they're like they're it, they don't have to be nice to us. I, I stress this in every tour. The firefighters here do not have to be nice to us. No. And they are nice to us. So don't be a dick to them. You know, I've had this conversation because <laughs> people have asked me how it is that I, as a person who was born and raised in New York and was there until I like not in New York City, but I was on Long Island or upstate and always within a train ride or a drive in. I had driven past the firehouse. I don't know how many times when I was working in New York City because I was dropping off uh, my roommate at different points, he was working at the world trade center at one point. Okay. And then when it wasn't there anymore, he was just working downtown near the financial center. So, um, yeah. I was often down in that area and driving back up. And if I wasn't, I was coming out of Chelsea and then heading towards the tunnel. So somehow I would end up at the firehouse find myself in Tribeca and be like, okay, um, there it is. I'm going to wave at it as I drive by. Cause I'm stuck in yeah. lots of traffic. But I never got out and stopped, never went inside, never like tried to buy a T-shirt. And I started thinking about this recently. At the time that I was do doing that, that wasn't a thing. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this like 2004, 2003. Yeah. Like that wasn't a period of time where you would just walk up to the firehouse and knock on the door and be like, is this where Ghostbusters was filming? Do you have any T-shirts I can buy? And I have a yeah. patch I want to give you. <laughs> like, yep. it's just None of that was a thing. <laughs> It was and not a thing, really, you know. I remember specifically the first time I saw the firehouse because same thing, like I, I live in Jersey, but we'd go into New York all the time. And I never thought about it, to be honest, as like, this is a real building in New York. So, you know, like, why am I going to expect like to see like Wayne Manor or like the clock tower from <laughs> Back to the Future, which granted, those are both, I guess, places you could visit. Right. But, but, you know, you never think about like, am I going to, you know, should I go see the firehouse? And my parents were driving us to go see the go go to the Intrepid, the museum, the you know yeah. that is also the battleship in in, yep. in New York. And we got off the Holland Tunnel, and I just screamed. 
because you could just see it right there. And like my mom felt like, oh my God, what happened? Like, oh, it's the Ghostbusters firehouse. It's real. <laughs> like, it's here, you know? Um, and it was just one of those things where like that never crossed my mind like that that but i remember the bay door was open and they had the ghostbusters 2 sign in that bay right. door like it was like like just mounted on the wall like oh my god like how amazing is this um so i'm like you know i'm thinking like mom do I have to go to the intrepid like the ghostbusters firehouse <laughs> is right here you know because like as a kid like you know going to new york was like an exciting thing yeah uh, you know I, we would see the library like, oh, yeah, one day I'm going to go to Columbia University. Like, no, that never <laughs> happened. But, but you know, like, like you, you start thinking these things. And um, eventually, the first time I really went to the firehouse after that was during my Minions of Gozer days when we uh, did, we, we had like a, we actually reached out to the firehouse about doing a photo shoot there with a 13-foot marshmallow man, uh, sta- <laughs> like this guy in like this 13-foot marshmallow man suit. And That's that was amazing. like the first day where we were all together and I was suited up and like uh, a proton pack made out of Tupperware and painted up in wood, <laughs> you know. Uh, but we had a very, it was a very DIY show. So that was the aesthetic we were going for, you know. Um, and then like it, it gets to that point where it's like, yeah, this is, this is New York. This is crazy. Like, and, and we're here and now it's just now, now every time I go there, it's just, you know, it, it's more it, it's like yes this is the building isn't it smaller than you expected it was in person but it's it's, <laughs> it's here and it and they're so great inside you know i i think that part of it too is that and i learned this when i moved here i think i really kind of took for granted how much i had around me in new york is that when you are there all the time and you're like driving in for work or whatever it is you there's stuff that's on television there's iconic stuff everywhere yeah, right. It's like it, you you don't get impressed by Times Square as yeah. a New Yorker because you're like, yeah, whatever is a tourist trap, whatever you know, you know, yeah. this is where lots of people go to go take pictures and buy souvenirs. And from what I hear recently, they they see a lot more because apparently Times Square is getting back to the way it was in the seventies. But I don't know. I could be wrong no. about that. I heard some very interesting <laughs> tales from somebody who went to Times Square recently. And was like, I saw open drug use and defecation on the streets, and I was like, Well, that's that that oh, hasn't there, been that way in a while. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> but I digress. You see the stuff so often, though, that like the stuff that you are driving past that you almost take for granted how it's there. Like you don't need to stop and take a look at it because, Oh yeah, that's part of New York. It's the backdrop. Right. So to me, like the firehouse almost had that feel. And then I moved here and I moved to California and I went to like point Magoo for the first time, which is like a beach off of Malibu. And I realized that I was standing on the beach where the damn dirty apes had blew it all up. Right. And I was like, Oh my (laughs) God. Like I'm literally at like the spot and planet of the apes, like where this happened. Or it would just be other stuff that I would go to when we went to the Sedgwick, like, you know, we went to the, not the yeah, Sedgwick, yeah, the but the Millennium yeah. Biltmore. I, I went in the Millennium Biltmore, not because I was there for Ghostbusters Day, but because my partner took me on a walking tour uh, of downtown eateries in Los Angeles for my birthday one year. And we walked past the Biltmore and I went, I'm going in here. And she was like, what? And I was like, I, I got I got to go in here. I don't care. But we'll, yeah. we'll catch up with this food tour. And I went inside and was like, oh, my God, this is where the flowers were still standing. And I freaked out. But I was like so strange to me that I never had those experiences in New York because yeah. it was something that 
oh, it was here. It was commonplace. Yep, that's where that happened. That's where that movie was filmed. Yep, that's the Empire State Building. Yep, tons of stuff is happening. Even King Kong's climbed it. Right. So it's just <laughs> you, you just take for granted to some extent how much is around you when I think you live near it. And then when you move away from it or you have distance from it, it becomes this sort of like more revered place to go to almost like a pilgrimage, you know? And so yeah. now I have this commitment. I need to get back because I'm like, I got to go to the firehouse. I never went to the firehouse. What was wrong with me? I never went to the public library and thought about it as a place that goes, but I thought about it as a library. And that's, I think the p- weird part of it is like, you're surrounded by it all the time and it's easy to overlook it. So, yeah. Know. And it's, it's, it's nice to just like see it for the Ghostbuster sites. Um, years back when, during the 2016 film, Sony reached out to us because um, they were running a contest for uh, inter- like different international tourists coming into New York City to have a Ghostbuster tour with the Ghostbusters. And they're like, you guys do this, right? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so we did it. And then I'm like thinking like, oh, crap, I need a license, don't I? So, I got- <laughs> so I'm like rushing to get this license and studying for it. Um, but what I love about the doing the tour with these people, because a lot of them were not like ghost heads. They're just like, we want to see New York. We never been to New York. So you have to like make the tour around stuff that they would want to see, what would want to experience. Like, of course, right. they want to eat pizza. They want to do this and that. Um, so, you know, you, you tie in the Ghostbuster film locations of it. And what's great is you get a lot of different flavors of New York, downtown New York and uh and uh central park west and times square all completely different vibes, totally different totally you know? different vibes yeah and, but they're all so close to each other relatively you know right and totally different vibes you get a really good feel for manhattan all over those different places yeah uh that's why i do like like that and i also loved like how geographically accurate ghostbusters is like 55 central park west is across from tavern on the green and is in walking <laughs> distance of lincoln center where dana works, right you know yeah like this is all perfect like it's not like you know you watch a new york movie and they turn the corner in a completely different part of town you know yeah the end of afterlife people were kind of sitting there going well why is the ecto coming over the brooklyn bridge like, was it out on Long Island? What what happened? Why would it be there? And I think yeah. it's so funny that like the trailer then was like, hey, the trailer opens up in Coney Island. What do you what do you want to do about it? <laughs> right? yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, if you want to think about where the last shot left you before. I mean, technically, if they're driving back from that event at night, <laughs> yeah. they would have to take these roadways, presumably to get there. But, yeah, no, I think you're right. Like, I, I do want to ask you, have you ever... um. Have you ever taken people to raise a cult as part of your tour uh, ride? Never part of the tour. I've been there. <laughs> There's not really much there, right? But uh, I've been there. Actually, most recently, we added Columbia University to the tour. Gotcha. So we never really did that because it's so far out of the way. Um, but we've done that. That's great. The last couple times I've been at the Museum of the American Indian have been fantastic yeah. because that's where they did nice. Ghostbusters too, right? Um, right. And... Obviously, not everything was filmed there. It was mostly done on a, on a, on a stage. But there are parts that were done there at, at, the, at that area. Because during that time, it wasn't a museum. It was actually still closed down before the right. Museum of the American Indian was built. Um, but there was someone there. Because there's always been this rumor that by the entranceway, when you walk in through the security area, there's these pink stains that they claim is from... <laughs> 
the slime, right? So there's always these rumors. So I include it for the tour and I say, listen, this hasn't been confirmed yet, but these are what I hear. But I'll tell you this. There was a guy there most recently. His name is Bob. And if you go there and ask for Bob, he will show you and tell you the whole story because he was actually <laughs> there when it happened. Um, he was on set and a cannon went off. A slime cannon went off. And all you could hear was, oh, shit. It is all according to him. Oh, shit. And so you saw where that stain was, where that where that plop of slime was and where it dripped down. They quickly cleaned it off. But that type of stone is so porous. Right. That it's very hard to remove. Uh, so that's why there is some stains from the pink slime. That's so funny. according to a guy who worked there named Bob, that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's and a that's good the credit. thing, too. Putting- with, these, with these tours, you run into people in New York that were around the time for right. Ghostbusters. A yep. cab driver came up to me, pulled, pulled me, and, and you know, I, I was dressed up and uh, I needed to go uptown. Uh, I went in the cab. He's like, oh, Ghostbusters. You know, I never seen Ghostbusters before uh, because uh, I started working as a cabbie in 1983. And my first day was in the worst <laughs> fucking traffic of my entire life because of the Ghostbuster gridlock. And I'm like, That's oh, hilarious. I'm so sorry. But, you know, and then another person came up to me when I was doing the tour by by um, by the, the by the building and they were saying how they used to live at 55 Central Park West. And during that day, they needed to, her and her family needed to get to the airport. And they just couldn't get there because, you know, of all the filming and everything gridlocked and everything. So allegedly, according to her, and I asked Dan Aykroyd, and he doesn't remember this, but, you know, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd allegedly went up to her floor gra- and grabbed her family suitcases and brought them down and hailed them a cab. He doesn't remember this at all, but she remembers this distinctly. Him suited up with like a jacket on and just like coming oh down, you know, with, with all this luggage. So it's funny because you do these tours and you run into people that have these different connections to right. those stories, you know. Um, so I try to include that as much as I can during the tours because people always tell us this, these stories. And I can't yeah. confirm if they're true or not, but they make good, good tales. Yeah, I I asked you about Ray's Occult largely because that was my hangout when I was in high school. Oh, cool. I would come out to St. Not, not specifically Ray's Occult, but I would come down to St. Mark's place and yeah. we would hit up all the record stores there that existed at that time. Yeah. Eat pizza on the corner and hang out mm-hmm. in Astor place at the big stupid cube. And <laughs> yep. Yep. That is a big stupid cube. Yep. I, we, and, we actually, uh, during minions time, we would always, that was where our studio like rehearsal space was and then we would go to the starbucks over there and the kmart gotcha. uh, and then uh i remember at st mark's too there's an awesome bar i don't know if it's still there it's called kgb bar and yeah, it was, was there, a yeah. former hangout of the kgb you've been there <laughs> i've never it, been there but i know what it is yeah yeah there's yeah. there two clubs over there too at one point coney island high was the punk club that was over there and it eventually okay. was closed up and then i'm trying to think what the other one was called it was on the corner um, but I, one night was, we were supposed to go to a punk show across town. Um, but on the way there, we decided to go screw around and, you know, be in St. Mark's for a while first. Yeah. And this band, uh, the LES stitches, the lower East side stitches were punk band okay. were playing over there and we watched them get out of a cab and the cabbie almost drove off with their instruments in the <sighs> trunk. 
Like they were oh trying to goodness. get the stuff out and the cabbie just took off and they're like, what are you doing? And then we were like, Hey, we were helping like bang oh, on the ta- taxi cab. They get their yeah. instruments out and they're like, do you want to come in the show for free? And we were like, no, we have tickets for a different punk show across town. Just oh. <laughs> <is> really weird. <laughs> but yeah, um, that was a place that was kind of where we would go and, you know, buy the sounds was the name of the music store over there. That was really mm-hmm. awesome. And, uh, St. Mark's comics was still there at the time and stuff. So it was like, yeah, we, I remember going we, to St. Mark's comics. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, but now like, there's not really much over there. There's just like some delis. There's a gap. I yeah. think it might still be there. <laughs> but, yeah, I, uh, I yeah. think someone in our group, our, our, our group mentioned that, uh, I think there's like a, a spot for sale at Ray's occult, like that area. Yeah. They, they, sh- might- they sent us like the, the street, the, the, the street easy link. Like, What's also oh, weird but- is I don't know if people realize this, but like, it's also the location of the original manic panic shop. Like the hair dye company. Okay. Like that's where they were. Like if you look that's in the, what, in the Ghostbusters. Can't you see like in, manic, in, yeah. It's yeah, like can, Manic Panic is like right seen. next door. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. um, and there's a, there's a, there's an S there, or at least there was, there was like an S and M sex shop over there called religious sex. It was a lot of oh, interesting cool. stuff over there on the, on that block. Yeah. <laughs> That was where we yeah. hung out. We were like, let's go buy punk t-shirts and use CDs and tapes and look at all of the craziness that doesn't exist on Lily, you know, sort of soft white Long yeah. Island. We took the train into the city <laughs> and it's fun. Uh, yeah. I miss, those days. I, I miss that. I miss those yeah. days. I do. I genuinely do. Um, yeah. But it, that's, but I mean, like to me, that's part of, that's the spirit and the sort of sense of New York that like St. Mark's place in 1989 was, not that far separated from St. Mark's place that I was in in 1998. It was just nine years later and things were kind of changing. And now it's a very different landscape over there. It's very much different than it used to be. But, um, we haven't really talked about this much, but you've brought it up a couple of times. So I want to ask you about it. Um, tell me a bit about the minions of Gozer. Cause I know that like this was something you performed in for a long time. And it's a thing that many OG ghost heads have told me about it over the years. And I've never really had a chance to talk with you about it. So So much like a lot of OG ghost heads and a guest of your podcast as well, I would check out Chris Stewart's proton charging every day since like 96, like is Ghostbusters three coming out is Ghostbusters three coming out, (laughs) you know, (laughs) um, I would just scour his site for it. And then one day, of course, they posted like, oh, uh, he po- he posted a, a, an article about like he thinks that uh, that that Ghostbusters could be an, a midnight movie, like a like a Rocky Horror kind of thing. And then years later, he posted that there is a group starting up called the Minions of Gozer and they're hosting auditions. So I reach out uh, to uh, Angela, who's running the who ran the show. Um, and I sent her an email like, listen, I will be anyone from Peter Venkman down to the redheaded <laughs> extra that says Ghostbusters. All right. All right. I am here <laughs> to do this. Um, and sh- I met her at uh, the Landmark Sunshine, which is no longer a movie theater, uh, but it was an awesome movie theater. And they were doing a screening of Ghostbusters there. So I met her there and I knew there was another guy going there dressed up. So I'm like, okay, I guess I got to get a Ghostbuster costume now. So I, you know, I went to the local, you know, army surplus store, got my Rothko suit, went to GB <laughs> fans, got a, figured out like a bunch of things to put together for a suit. Um, and then my, it was my first time suiting up and going to New York. And it was, it was awesome. She, 
we we audi- I auditioned for for Venkman, got it, um, and then we would just and then I ended up helping her and being co-producer on the show too. So um, figuring out how we're gonna make our proton packs and uh, you know going like in my garage and just like taking all this like beat up Tupperware and like spray painting it (laughs) and getting like this wood and like hacking at a jigsaw, creating a motherboard, you know? Um, and then doing the silly string for, for, uh, for, for this proton streams we're shooting at at the audience. Cause we wanted to make it like a fun, messy thing. We should, we pitched it to a bunch of different places. The place that ended up having us was the IFC center on West Fourth street, um, which was originally called the Waverly theater, which is where Rocky horror originally started. Um, so we were there doing the midnight shows um, in 2011. It was a sold out weekend and we, we top billed Werner Herzog, which was exciting. Uh, <laughs> one of our members recently posted that, uh, that we built, we out, out build, uh, oh, you know, top build him. Uh, but it was great. And every, and every, 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 every uh, performance, we tried to one up it. So the next performance, we had a legit Marshmallow Man costume made by this guy named Kyle Pascuti <laughs> in Connecticut. And it was wild, that, that Stay Puft costume. It was like Disneyland character Stay Puft. Right. And had, that costume ended up being used later, I believe, in the uh, nerd, epic nerd rap battles, which was Ghostbusters oh, really? Mythbusters. <laughs> yeah, I know that what you're talking That was the Stay Puft yeah. costume. Yeah. And then that shape of costume ended up going to Massachusetts Ghostbusters. Um, and that was a wild show. That was the show that Sorrentino was at, too. Okay, that Uh, makes sense. Like, that's the lineage of that costume. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that was uh, was Sorrentino at that show. And then we did a gender bender night for Pride Month. So I was Dana. And I loved being Dana. That was a a fun (laughs) show. Um, And then we ended up doing a show at the bar that uh, Chris Sorrentino's podcast was at. Um, and then we ended up, it, it just got to a point though, where it, it was a lot of work and it was a lot of like putting things together. So it kind of, it kind of fizzled out a little bit and then it just ended. Um, and then I eventually joined the New York city ghostbusters in 2014. I, I joined them through the, their uh, the beginning of the very first annual walking tour for Ghostbusters Day, which was in uh, June of 2014. Um, and then we did it every year since. And I, I led those because um, in Minions of Gozer, one of our, we, we, we funded it through Kickstarter. And one of our perks was have a tour with the Ghostbusters. So that was the very first <laughs> tour we did. It was two people. We'd schedule a tour and we did that Ghostbuster tour with them. And we're like, hey, this worked out. So we'll, you know, it ended up doing it again for the 2014 meet with the New York City Ghostbusters, and and at that point we were we were pretty much set. I, I was set with the with them, um, but I've parted ways with the Minions of Gozer group. I, if it ever comes back, I would love for it to come back. I am not going to be in it though because it's way way involved, <laughs> and I have kids now and stuff. But I fully support it coming back if if someone wants to pick up the reins on that for sure. Um, I will say I remember that um, year too before sorry but before I joined the New York City Ghostbusters you brought up the mayor of New York and I would, I don't want to forget this I got to meet him I got to meet David Margulies uh oh, that's awesome. who played Mayor Lenny he was doing a screening up in Washington Heights of Ghostbusters special screening uh where we have Mayor Lenny come up and do a Q&A 
And we were all excited, all dressed up. And one of the things we did was we did our, our recreation of the ballroom scene. Uh, so we had we have like these LED rope lights that we'd shake and on, on in photos <laughs> it looked great. Uh, it, it just looked great, like you know. So I never saw it in person because I'm always on the other side doing it. Um, right. But it was it was really fun, just like shooting that up and recreating that scene. And we were excited to f- finally meet the mayor, and we're like pushing away the MC, like you know, like hey, we just want to see this guy. And the MC turns out to be this guy who made In the Heights. It was uh. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, <laughs> what before Hamilton? <laughs> so we have this picture, all suited up, all geared up, That's with like so Lin Manuel in the middle holding a PKE meter, and we're just like, yeah, we just want to see the the mayor from Ghostbusters, you know. This is funny uh, you said this because like, strangely, just this week I have been falling down a Sopranos rabbit hole, and oh, I didn't cool. realize because David Margulies is like Tony Soprano's yep. lawyer. Yeah, and I didn't lawyer, realize yeah. that like Lin-Manuel Miranda has like a, a walk on role as like a Does guy he? who, yeah, he's a, like a car valet or something. Um, he's, oh, that's funny. <laughs> I don't keep forget what his role is, but he's like got some small bit part where he walked across the screen. And I was like, is that Lin-Manuel Miranda? And I Googled it and I was like, holy shit, he is in the Sopranos. So it wasn't the first time they worked together. <laughs> that was too funny. <laughs> the, the best story, by the way, that David Margulies told us at the Q&A was before for ghostbusters 2 he was doing a play in in los angeles and he was going to fly back to new york uh to film this scene in ghostbusters 2 at least that's what he was he was telling us um and on the plane sitting next to him was ed koch right actual mayor of new york (laughs) mayor of new york city (laughs) yeah and he was telling him like hey you know i'm 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 actually going to new york right now to, to to play you in, uh, in Ghostbusters <laughs> 2. And without a beat, Ed Koch has told David Margulies, why the fuck didn't they ask me? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was like, uh, I was, that, that was like, just a, like such a highlight story. Yeah. I will tell you that um, the last time, if you want to hear the, the last great Chris Stewart idea that I heard about what Ghostbusters could be, wasn't the last time yeah. he was on the podcast, but when he was on around Christmas time last year, we did sort of a, um, we, I think we did a commentary on um, Xmas Marks the Spot, the Ghostbusters okay. Christmas episode Yep, from real Ghostbusters. And <laughs> he said that he felt that Ghostbusters could be reimagined as a Christmas panto play, that uh, it could be reimagined as essentially like as a Christmas pageant story, but okay. you know, kind of like in the vein of. Um, you know, the kind of go- the kind of goes wrong plays, right? And kind of do oh, it as a goofy that would be fun. Christmas 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 pantomime comedy play, right? And I was like, oh, that is a great idea. And now I'm like, oh, this is it. You gotta get the group back together. This is your job now. We've given that, you a new task. That could be. <laughs> I could I could send it over to the these guys. That would yeah, be that would be pretty fun. Go back and check out the episode where we review Xmas Marks the Spot, because Chris talks about this, he gets very into this idea. Of okay, Ghostbusters as a panto play. <laughs> I mean, he was right about Minions of Gozer. I, I, I think it was a really great show. I, I, and I wish it was still like, in some form, still going on. Um, so, like I said, if you're listening to this and ever want to do it, I'm more than happy to let you know what was involved and all. And we, we had like a, a bunch of fun side gags, and they all came about based on like restrictions. Like we had, to, we did a show at BB King's. Uh, in in Times Square, yeah, and they told us no silly string, so we're like, <laughs> okay, so we so we 
immediately just thought like as kids, you know, you had those foam like noodles on the proton packs. So we had these foam pool noodles on, right. our, on our packs and just beat the <laughs> shit out of the audience, you know. And then there was also no water allowed on stage, which was an issue because I would always get slime with water. Right. right? Like that was my my slime when I got he slimed me. So one of our uh, one of our uh, one of our actresses, she dressed up in like a green man suit. And just <laughs> leapt on top of me. And I like wore her like a scarf. Like she just slimed me. And it worked out so well. Like so there's certain things that we've learned that that work so well, like translated on That's stage. That's so funny. And that was one of them. Yeah. I wish I could have seen that. That would be really fun to watch. Um, I don't oh, imagine it was, there's it was a YouTube blast. video of this because it's probably not of that era. Um, but there is a Facebook page that has photos of some of your old minions, minions of ghosts. Yeah, I, I, I believe I'm still an admin on that Facebook page. So, yeah. So, um, I don't know if the phone number that's listed there is still active, everybody, but call it immediately. It probably no. won't <laughs> be. But, you know, it's, it's, it's also one of those Facebook pages that haven't been taken down. Like, you know, it's just crazy with what's it's true. going on right it's, now. It's true. The, you have a live yeah. Ghostbusters shadow cast as the intro on the Facebook page, and yet no one has come along to algorithm you out of existence. Yeah, but, uh, you know, literally after our toy drive last year, uh, a week, like the weekend after they took down our page for the first time, yeah, like I our page that. was taken down and man, that was rough. That was really rough because we, we just don't know what to do at that point because we get right. so much interaction on Facebook. We eventually got it back and then months later they took it down again, you know? Right. So it's just I've yeah, I've jokingly said that most of Insta, most of Extraplasm's interactivity comes on Instagram for whatever reason. It's where I liked to be the most before yeah. I had a podcast. So I guess it makes sense that that's where I helped to build an audience first. But um, <laughs> so I've jokingly said that if they ever come for the Extraplasm Facebook page, I'm just gonna be like, you can have it. <laughs> just yeah, as if one less thing it. I have to manage. You can just take it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get by. I'm in another meta, another meta platform over here that you don't seem to care about this one. For some reason you care about this other one over here. I prefer you don't care about. So let's just keep it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Move on to like blue sky or something or, or yeah, but for those of you who built the following like before, you know, on, on yeah. that platform, you know, I think it's really hard to be like, how do you lose that audience engagement and lose that connection where you're able to spread the word easily, you know? So, yeah. um, it's not been an easy road to hoe for folks who are dealing with that problem. And I know it. Um, and hopefully, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of hopeful that like the way that ghostbusters news got hit recently and that kind of, you know, Sony marketing is kind of aware of it as the movie's coming out and having discussions, I think with, uh, meta admins to some extent. Yeah. Marketing that's people. Honestly hopefully how it's going to get worked out, you know? So that's how it works out because we had, um, so on the Ghostbusters franchises worldwide group, I'm an admin there. And I was I, I joined as an admin because it's such a cesspool at times. Like, holy shit. <laughs> so I, I had the I banned a lot of people on there. And I'm more than happy to keep banning. So keep reporting. No problem. <laughs> um, but we posted a, a, a Google form on there for franchises when they get hit to let us know, because then we can yeah. pass it all along to Sony, you know. So nice. We've, we've continually just been doing that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the thing to kind of do is that to be aware of it, but it is, it is a weird thing to be sort of navigating for folks because it's, it's hard. Like you get cut yeah. off from this where you've built your audience already and then to try and rebuild it is really difficult. Um, yeah. And so I'm hopeful that they'll be able to figure it out. But what I was thinking about in the process of that was, as we were talking about this is that if, if I looked at this problem, say five, six years ago, 
I would have thought, oh, well, the issue is that these groups are declaring themselves to be charity organizations, but they're not. They're just fan organizations. But in your case, right, and in the case of like a dozen different yeah. groups, you literally are 501c3 recognized charity organizations by the federal government. Right. Um, in terms of how you file taxes and you have total legitimacy to declare yourselves as charity yeah. organizations versus fans. Right. But the sort yeah. of way that people just self-identify as charity organization means that that becomes one of the things that gets flagged. Right. Because it's like, oh, this is a masquerading as a charity when it really isn't. And it's like there needs to be a better system. <laughs> there just needs yeah. to be like a better system for figuring out who's who. And to me, it's like I don't. And this is like just the universe talking the face everybody anybody facebook listens to the podcast i can go and create a page for extraplasm and be like i have a business page now and extraplasm is not a business right it's i mean for anybody yeah. listening out there no like i don't take tax write-offs i don't get to do any of that because this is not a business somebody recently offered to listen to the podcast more on spotify if it would make me more money and i said you are very kind but extraplasm is a non-revenue endeavor <laughs> It's just yeah. like, it doesn't matter where you listen to it. Either way, it will just cost me money, but yeah. I'm okay with that. I made that commitment. I'm happy to be making my podcast. But if for me, like if I were to get put up there and be like, oh yeah, I'm a media organization. I'd be like, eh, that's kind of suspect. You're a podcast, which is what we're designated as. Right. But yeah. like if for people who have a charity organization, if they're like trying to designate themselves properly, but at the same time, the algorithm flags them. It's a nightmare, right? So, yeah. I don't know. And, and the problem is there's no straight answer as to what the algorithm is actually doing. Is it because right. we're marked as a nonprofit? Is it because we have the word Ghostbusters in our name? You know? Right. Like, there, there's all sorts of, like, I don't know. It's just doing it. So, yeah. <laughs> and I, trying to find the contact at Meta is, like, near impossible. Oh, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, like, it's impossible. So, I'm very grateful for the fact that, um, you know, Eric Reich uh, over at Ghost Core has been kind of willing to engage folks about their Facebook page. He has a million yeah. other things to do. And, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, oh, I'm only involved in making uh, movies within a multi-million dollar franchise, but that's okay. I can iron out your Facebook problems. <laughs> it's kind of yeah, like, exactly. that's very kind, you know, but yeah. um, I don't know. I'm hopeful that they'll they'll get a handle on this because part of those tools and part of the ability to socially network is what has enabled so much of the good collaboration we've talked about in this episode. Right. That's yeah. um, if we didn't have that, if we didn't have Facebook and all these different social platforms to engage each other on and live stream and do things um, that where would we be? So it's kind of yeah. a double edged sword. You know, you kind of need them because you want to be able to interact and do your live stream. But at the same time, you wonder, will this be something that gets us tripped up because we're running a charity fundraising event and we have legitimacy to do so. But a robot has been programmed with bad parameters to run yeah. out and terminate things. <laughs> pretty much you know the fa skynet. the meta version of skynet has yeah. not been given good rules it's kind of like it's it's kind of like this though if you think about it like at the beginning of terminator the first terminator he's just yeah. going out and looking for all the sarah connors yeah he kills right? like, all the sarah connors like, he's just like yeah. goes to the phone book and he's like i gotta find all the sarah connors and he just yeah. tears the whole c page out of the book and he's like rocking around like i will kill all the sarah connors until all the sarah connors are stopped and that yeah there's like you would think that someone would have given this elite killing machine just some better details like What's the town? What's the home address? No, Los Angeles, Sarah Connor. Yep. Jeez, <laughs> like, it's just, it, wow. Do you have a more generic name that you could be just hunting down all of? Because you're going to change Imagine, the timeline? Right. 
<laughs> so it's not that Mary far off. Mary Smith, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's not that far off. Maybe this is how it happens. Maybe this is how we end up in that darkest timeline, is that Meta stupidly trains the algorithms to kill off all the Ghostbusters Facebook pages, and that, like, different logic unit gets, like, embedded inside of a Terminator that just goes, if you know the name of something, kill all of the thing with the name. <laughs> like, it's just... <laughs> eh. Yeah. I mean, you know, I work in software, so I'm sure it's just like some ticket item that's just low priority. Oh, yeah. No one's handling right now because it's not paid. Yeah. They're not losing money for kicking oh, these I hear pages that. out. So yep. they don't care. Like about my it. background before I became an educator was in information technology. And I can tell you for sure that that has not been given high priority in the yeah. queue of tickets that are currently sitting there waiting for resolution. <laughs> There are far bigger issues. They're like, we need to stop the child pornography before we worry about the kids, the the, the adults who can't cosplay as Ghostbusters and claim yep. it. Like that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's bigger, bigger fish to fry over at Meta. But yeah. <laughs> well, oh, and I'm glad that you were able to get back on your Facebook account, and I'm glad that you're out there uh, once again doing the toy drives and you know making uh making more Ghostbusting charity opportunities in the tri-state area and i mean i'll say yeah. that because if you're a new yorker then you're allowed to go everywhere in the tri-state area it's permissible it's what your easy pass we lets do you do <laughs> we do we've, we've been everywhere man <laughs> but um anything else you want to throw out there to sort of plug or tell folks about uh before we wrap up for this episode of extra plasm so if you are interested in the toy drive you could find our toy drive at ghostbusterstoydrive.com Whoa, that's awesome. Today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an easy way to get there. So nice. it's just going to, yeah. Ghostbusterstoydrive.com will get you to the, to the the telethon. Yeah. And I want to encourage everybody to tune in on Tuesday. What I'm sorry, Wednesday. The podcast comes out Wednesday. on Tuesday. Duh. Uh, what time on Wednesday? Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Gotcha. So if you're it's out here on the Pacific daily. Coast. You can uh, eat your dinner at the same time as you watch it. And if you're out yeah. there in New York, then you can eat your dessert as you watch it. And then so just it's eat true. something and watch it. That's my plan. You can eat, eat something. something. It's it's yeah. good. And we usually start with the East Coast franchises and then move our way west. This way nice. time zones work out. That's know? amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then you should make what you should do is you should get like five pizzas and you should get a, like several bags of bagels and you should just auction those off. Um, oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people, everyone says pizza, but it's true about the bagels. You go the down, bagels. you go anywhere outside this area bagels. and it's like talking a foreign language. Like I went down to Florida and went to like a bakery as asking for some bagels. They literally opened like a Thomas you know, like like a Thomas bag of bagels and just charge me three bucks a bagel. You're like, you like, bastards. I see them opening the bag. I'm like, guys. Hey, look, I'll say this. I can produce a pretty good New York pizza in my kitchen because I've taught myself how. But yeah. I've I've dabbled in bagels and I got close, but nowhere close enough. I was, They're I was rough. Like, this. I'm never going to be able to pull this off with my materials yeah. I have here. This is no good. Um, yeah. but yeah, I'm telling you that if you, if you do the get bag of bagels, put them on there, maybe I'll bid on them. I'll be like, what do you want for them? Send them to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then with the cream cheese, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Need that. You need the scallion cream cheese. That's awesome. That yeah. Um, Sorrentino came to my house, uh, last year and brought like this, like buffet of, of cream cheeses from this place. Yeah. Like a fruity <laughs> pebbles, cream cheese and like a bacon bit one, the scallion one. It was crazy. <laughs> 
Um, I want to say one final thing about Chris Sorrentino, baby Belushi, before we sign off this podcast, because I've been yeah. saying it for a few weeks to people out of total love and appreciation because I want it to happen. Oh, I yes. want him. I want Chris Sorrentino to have a balloon in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. <laughs> I want that. Forget any Ghostbuster thing whatsoever. Just get giant baby Belushi balloon. Yeah, yeah. it's a pizza plasm balloon. It just as represents... Yeah. And maybe it could be a balloon and a float. It could be like a balloon of the baby Belushi and then a pizza plasm float that goes behind it that just represents all the there different things that he creates. And I, I will don up my Elwood gear again and we could, nice. we could do that on the float. We could do Soul Man. Yeah. So I think this is a good idea. This is this is let's get it in the works. Somebody uh, call up the Macy's and Herald Square. Tell them we got an idea. Um, they're yeah. going to pay for it. We're not because we don't have balloon money and I don't have no, that much for, helium. Forget it. No way. <laughs> Let alone get us in Macy's Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade money. Yeah. No, you that's know? fine. It's happening. The extra plasm parade floats happening next year. Um you know, in terms of the balloons, we may not have enough helium, but I'm full of yeah. enough hot air. We'll make it happen. <laughs> we, can it, we can make it work. We can make it work. Um, but I do want to do I, I do want to say if you are in New York City or plan on coming to New York City, do not hesitate if you're thinking about it. Do not hesitate to reach out to our group. We love meeting other Ghostbuster fans. There's over 60 of us all through the five boroughs and outside, like myself. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we're, but we're more than happy to, you know, say hi to other Ghostbuster fans that are coming to the city. I'm going to make a trip to New York uh, sometime soon. I really, yeah. not just because there's a movie coming out, but um, I want to come back to New York. And there's York a Ghostbusters have- Day. On a yes. Saturday this on a next Saturday year. this year, yes, the 40th so anniversary. I have it in my bones to happen. come back for this year. Yeah. I want to make it back in 2024, and I'm hoping to be able to meet uh, so many of you face to face. But I'm glad that we got to meet in this way because I've yeah. always we've interacted and sort of seen each other in comments for a long time. And yeah, I've definitely hear your name tossed around as a great person to, to get to know. And I'm like, I'm really Thank glad we you. had an opportunity. They, to do they were it, lying. So. They were all lying. <laughs> <laughs> No, I enjoyed this conversation so much with you. I'm glad we got I did to do too. it. So, um, and come back again sometime soon. We'll, we'll we want to hear more when you're getting ready for the next Ghostbusters Day and whatnot. And uh, maybe we'll all be together for that one. And we'll all do it. So we'll celebrate. We'll have a live extraplasm. It'll be completely crazy. Oh, the extended tour. <laughs> That's right. We'll go to St. Mark's and just yeah. go in like random buildings. Yes, that's be <laughs> awesome. It? This yeah. is this raise a cult? Nope. Okay, this is a deli. Bye. <laughs> we did stop by. We did make a weird pit stop like that once, where because we were at the at uh, Lincoln Center, and it's like, oh, let's walk like five blocks south, guys. Don't worry, it's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a good <laughs> one. You guys know what this is? And I point to this church. That's right. That's where Ray and Egon were lifting up the slime during the Ghostbusters Two <laughs> montage. These are the steps right here. Look at that. Okay, I guess we'll move on now. <laughs> it's like blistering no, cold. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make it like a. Uh, we'll make the extended version of the tour that has yeah. every single thing. This is the tunnel that Lewis Tully ran through, even though he didn't actually run through it because they cut that scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. We got like the deleted seeds. We can even go uh, to that building that was a nightclub that was used in Ghostbusters Two for the subway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that, the, I forget what's called the tunnel. I think, I think it was called the tunnel. I think it's, tunnel. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so we can go there like, man, there's so many places. 
We can go That's to Rockefeller it. Center. We've actually gotten kicked out of Rockefeller Center uh, <laughs> for the same reasons they get kicked out during the montage, which is like, hey, get the fuck over property. It's private property. Uh, so it it's happened to us there. We've had the full Ghostbusters experience. That's great. I hope to come and have the full Ghostbusters experience with you all in the future. Thank you again, Ryan, for coming on the podcast. Um, and Thank we'll talk you. To you again soon. Thank you so much. See you later. Take care. That about wraps things up for Extraplasm this week. I want to say thank you once again to Ryan Espin of the NYC Ghostbusters for coming on the show and telling us a bit about what's going on out there in New York with their charity efforts, as well as with the toy drives that are happening nationwide uh, with so many different franchises. If you're out there participating in that movement, thank you so much for the work you're doing, and I want to hear about it. So let me know at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com or via you know Extraplasm social media contacts. I want to remind you as well that you can tune in to watch the live stream at GhostbustersToyDrive.com at 8 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday to get a bit of a meet and greet with the franchises who are going to be running those varied toy drives, as well as to donate if you wish to to help out NYC in their efforts to provide uh, you know a better Christmas season and a better holiday for kids who are in need in the South Bronx area. I also want to say thank you to Brendan Pierce of Baducci Studios, who provides our logo, as well as Vaporwave artist Magnavox, whose version of Ghostbusters serves as our theme song each week. And of course, I need to say thank you to you for listening, for participating, and being a part of the community. I've really enjoyed hearing from folks in the last few weeks uh, with responses to the podcast, and I've had some really good conversations in the wake of the uh, Paul Feig Q&A episode we did last week that were um, really kind and really insightful reactions that I had from folks in direct messages. So if you're one of those folks who reached out to, you know, sort of provide some commentary and have a good conversation about that episode, thanks. It was really nice to talk with you about those things. I'm really excited about the holiday season ahead, and I hope that yours is off to a great start. As we get into the holiday season, though, there's nevertheless always some sort of stress that's happening. Uh, Try to take it easy. Try to have a good time. And as Ernie Hudson reminds us every single week, try to have fun and always. Keep on busting. Take care.